It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Call anytime. 1-300-01-1170 or text 0457-736-736. This is Mornings, right here on SEN. Yeah, very good morning, everyone. Julian King of the Chair for Matty White this morning and tomorrow morning. Great to have your company on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney and across the globe via the SEN app. The open line number to have your say, one 300 1170 and the text line 0457 736 736. I don't know about you, uh, I got lashed by a torrential downpour on my way home after the show yesterday. Uh, we trust everyone came out of it okay. Looking at the weather today in the Harbour City, tops at 27, partly cloudy, just a slight chance of a shower in the morning. On the show today, it is, of course, Wednesday, which means it's Wednesday with Webby, uh, Chief Sports Writer for the City Morning Herald, will join me in a matter of seconds for the first hour of the program. Also joining me on the program today, Chris Whitaker. He's the Waratahs assistant coach ahead of the start of the Super Rugby season. It's come around again. Can you believe that? A bit more interest in rugby now with the appointment of Eddie Jones as Wallabies coach. Chris Pongrass, Sydney Kings CEO, will be along as well ahead of their clash against the Cairns Taipans tonight. And Lachlan Makuta from Code Sports will be here as well to chat all things sport. 0457 736 736. Let's bring him in. He's the Chief Sports Writer at the Sydney Morning Herald. It's Wednesdays with Andrew Webster. Emmanuel Lewis, a.k.a. Webster. Good morning to you, my friend. You are the antithesis of Emmanuel Lewis, mind you. I am, aren't I? Uh, good morning, Webster. Good to see you. What are you saying? Good to see you. Because I know my parents. Because <laughs> you can't break dance. <laughs> uh, Is he still uh, going, Emmanuel Lewis? I don't know. I don't know. Let me just see. Let's yeah, Google, Google that. that. I yeah, people, love, people love it listening while I Google. Is he Emmanuel uh, you know, that that's one of these rare instances where Gary Colmer had a surprise height advantage. Is he still yeah. going? Oh, yeah, he no, is. he's gone. Yeah. Is he? Is he? Yeah, he's left. He's uh, shuffled Lew- off the mortared coil. Mortal uh, coil has Gary Coleman. Emmanuel Lewis is presently alive. Okay. How he's, old is he now? He's 51. Is he? Height, 1.3 metres. 1. 1.3. Wow. Jeez. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, he's the sort of guy that comes into the game once the forwards start to tire. That sort of bloke. <laughs> Emmanuel Lewis. <laughs> uh, I think with the new six to go rule, he's really uh, really flourished in the last couple well, of seasons. Well, it's funny you heard Matty Rogers is a new acquisition to the NBN. NBN. What is wrong with me today? SEN Stable. And, and he NBN. talked about... Yes. Uh, mine's flaking out at home at the moment, by the way. Mm. And, and he talked about playing under-19 schoolboys and, and he was playing scrum half and Jonah was playing number eight, so lock. And he said Jonah would run at him. And he was at 60 kilos ringing wet back in the day. Yeah. Matty Rogers. I heard him talking to Vossi mm. and, and Maggie. That was very interesting what he said about the whole idea. For that reason, like if you bring in the tackle around yeah. uh, from the waist down, silly, silly rule. Okay. Well, I mean, we could dedicate a whole program to that. Now, before we get to rugby league and all other stuff in sport, this was the news, Webby, that broke yesterday just as we came off air about Peter Bolt, the Australian runner, provisional suspension for testing positive to... EPA has been lifted effective immediately after a test of his B sample uh, did not confirm the A sample result. Now, it's funny. We, we think about the semantics and the language surrounding this. Saying it's technically not a negative result, and we believe that the B sample will be tested again in another lab. But at this point in time, it appears that he's been exonerated. He's had his provisional ban lifted. I don't 
think that's the end of it, though. No. Um, other athletes have been done, even though a a, a a B sample hasn't confirmed the A sample. I suppose the issue at the moment, and it seems what the listeners are mostly concerned about, is the fact that it got leaked. Now, these things usually, in my experience, get leaked for the for the fact that it is handled by so many different agencies from Sport Integrity Australia to ASADA, which falls under the SIA uh, umbrella, um, and then then the AFP get involved as well because it's such a, it's a banned and illegal substance, and then you have the sports as well. I, I know that a caller um, in Vossi's show suggested that it was because Athletics Australia were trying to mitigate any embarrassment around him being possibly named Young Australian of the Year, or possibly I think he was the short price favourite to be named Young Australian of the Year. When when that story broke, mm. I, there was certainly that belief amongst Peter Bowles' camp and people within Athletics Australia. So I don't think it's a con- it's more than just a conspiracy theory. I think it was certainly at play. Um, uh, he's said to be looking at legal action. I don't think he's going to say any more about it, having spoken to his management earlier today. I think he's just keen to get on with it. But the story's not dead, and you're right. The B sample, people are talking about, well, why doesn't it get done straight away? Well, because the B sample gets done at another lab, and it also goes through five different tests. I just spoke to a sports lawyer, mate of mine, who's very much across this, and he said that it, you know these things just don't get rushed. So it's been three weeks um, since uh, the A sample came out. So I, I don't... I, Look, I think the fact that it got leaked is the problem, but okay. the process um, isn't necessarily, you know, at, at fault. So it was never an, it was never a case of being able to expedite the process to finalise or, or find a result of the B sample prior to the Australia Day honours, effectively. Although yeah, I think the A sample only came out six days before. Yeah. Well, the B sample, it's what they call an ATF. That's an atypical finding for EPO. So Sport Integrity Australia said it did require further investigation as per WADA rules. So, and there, there are pains to say an ATF is not the same as a negative test result. So the result, the investigation rather, is ongoing. I was stunned when this came through. I, I don't know about you. I was fearing the worst. I thought, I love Peter Boland and please, please don't be true. But, you know, the numbers, history was always going to be against him. But here we are. Well, I think the first sample was borderline, wasn't it? Yeah. That's what. That's how they described it, borderline. Um, it's a very, very, it's a, it's, it's, it's an exact science too when it comes to doping and particularly when it comes to EPO. Um, I was the same because he's such a great story, mm. Peter. He was allegedly going to be named Young Australian of the Year. So uh, I think more than just sports fans have been in love with his, his story, particularly since Tokyo last year. So, yeah, I, let's hope um, let's hope that, uh, that he gets cleared and continues to, to run for Australia. Well, his US-based lawyer, Paul Green, spoke today and said this provisional suspension should never have been made public, Andrew. You can say, well, it was leaked, but there has to be an inquiry into how it leaked and people need to be held to account. Put, putting your, your journo's hat, mm. if, you know, if this comes to you, are you printing it? Well, you have to. It's yeah. fact, for sure. Mm. But that's if it's fact and he's, and he's returned an A sample. But, again, it comes down to how it got leaked, Um and as I said, it's because it's because across so many different different bodies, there's always that potential for it to happen. But I've got no doubt that there was th- that was the reasoning because of his potential uh, Australian of the Year candidacy. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. See, Fitzy said, why do they release any information before the B sample has been tested? Well, back to your point, Andrew. 
They don't release it. It just it got it leaked. It leaked. Yeah. Um, this was discussed with James and Vossi this morning. When it comes to doping in sport, you're always finding an uphill battle, fighting an uphill battle. So in that respect, like that, cheating and doping seems to be two steps ahead at any given time of drug testing. Do you just wave the white flag and say free for all? No. Let them go. No, not at all. Do you want someone dying in the middle mm. of the track? Well, this at is the, the thing, Paris right? Olympics. Yeah. Because they've juiced up too much. I think that's a really. I don't. I hate that that argument because then we're not watching sport. We're watching the results of whatever you know a, a scientist has come up with. Yeah. So I just don't think that's realistic at all. I do think because in, in the case of what's happened with Shane to Jack and and possibly with what's happened with Peter Bowl, um, I think there's a real. It, it, you're right. For, for so many decades, the drug cheats, and more importantly, the uh, those who, the, the scientists who came up with the doping were miles ahead of um, of those who were testing for it. But I do think there needs to be some greater uh, stringency around, particularly the ones like Shana Jack, um, and, and even the early leaking of Peter Bowles' sample. Like, I mean, you've got people's lives and integrity mm. and careers at at play. Um, you know, if you're going to if you're going to uh, if you're going to finger someone as a drug cheat, you want to be pretty bloody sure of it. And the, and and it seems like the presumption of innocence is is it seems to be the other way around. Yeah. With with athletes these days. And unfortunately, for the likes of Shannon Jack or Peter Bowl in this instance, a lot of that mud sticks. Yeah, a lot of that mud sticks. It does. Can you imagine you know, somebody who had a few too many start to sledging? Oh, you, you drug cheat. Yeah, and we've seen that in rugby league, you know, with the Sharks or in the AFL with Essendon. I mean, it's it can tarnish reputations forever, forever. It did. Well, the Asada thing. Well, it's only last week was it the ten year anniversary of it. Like I remember covering all that in great detail, Julian, and the way that that clubs and players were basically railroaded into guilt long before any um, any uh, evidence was presented was pretty poor. Mm. Like, I, like I, I was one of the many columnists at the time who was very uh, critical of Asada and the way that they went about it. And, the, and, and just the fact that they announced, remember, the blackest day in Australian sport and they hold the, held the press conference down there in Canberra and it was all about trying to stop athletes from cheating before they... Ch- they cheated, which, but in the process, it basically tarred entire codes, mm. entire links club. to crime gangs and, and organised you know. crime. So and you it think went, it never ran that deep? Well, it never went. Yeah. Well, well, it got proven. It no. never went that far. You know, in the end, there they got a bunch of Cronulla players who um, who were acting on the instructions of support staff and coaching staff, um, and, and and weren't even aware of what they were putting into their bodies. And a bit further to that, they if they pursued the legal avenue, it would have put them out of pocket. So they arranged, came to an arrangement said, you know what, we'll agree to sit out for X number of games. Well, Cronulla were yeah. two matches. So yeah. they, and that yeah. season was basically over anyway. Yeah, yeah. Who was, it was Richard Ings, I think, that said that. The Blackest Day, yeah, yeah, Richard Ings. He, um, Which I believe he did then wind back or regret saying it. He, he said it a few times. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when, you talk, when you're a talking head, like Richard Ings is. Think about, just, just back to Peter Bowl and that B sample, what does it say about testing procedures in this country that the A sample could come back with the result that it did? Well, I think, but it was it was a borderline level. So they test these things on level, and they're only staying in your body for a small amount of time. So, 
I don't know. I'm not a scientist on this, Julian. Synthetic EPO, and that was it. The drug of choice for all the cyclists. Of course course it was. But that's the thing, though. I don't think it's been established whether exactly. Like, I just think think his his EPO level was was high. Yeah. Uh, Lance was big on the EPO. Yes. He was big on the the fake penises as well. He was big on a few things. Yeah, Lance. And making other people take the EPO. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. Well, that was the whole part of it, wasn't it? He was coercing team members and young team members into into doping. That was probably the worst part of the whole thing, that he was getting others to do it. So I think, I think the takeaway out of all this is don't do drugs. They are bad for you. Yeah. Say no to drugs. It's, I vaguely recall it. There was a, a survey done of Olympic runners quite some time ago, and it was put to them, if you won an Olympic medal but it meant you died at the age of 35 or 40, for example, would you take it? And the majority said yes. Oh, yeah. Majority said yes. Which goes back to the, the question I asked, and you said you hate this this argument or this suggestion, uh, do we just clear the decks, let everybody dope if they need to because they dope anyway, we can't catch them. So, you know, put it out in public. If they, as he said, you don't want them dying on the track in Paris, but it shows the mentality of an elite athlete that they'll do almost anything within their power to win. They will. Hmm. They will. But I don't think that's, I think that's a little bit too broad. I don't think every athlete would be like that. Do you think? I missed that because 2am Tommy was in my ear. Please do you repeat. Think, I, but I don't think they're all going to be. Tommy, shut up. We're trying to do some live. <laughs> we're trying to do some radio here. And what amazing radio it is, I have to say. Yes, but but I, I don't think, but I, I honestly think there has been a real change in the um, attitudes towards towards doping, for sure. Because I don't think you've ever been closer to getting caught than what you have now. Mm. It's just fascinating to see certain athletes take the moral high ground on these issues. You just got to be careful in that respect. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 0457 736 736. Still plenty to talk about. Uh, the Super Bowl, and I get your thoughts on that. I know your article, we mentioned it on the program yesterday, and a few people are saying, oh, yeah, Super Bowl, <laughs> snooze fest. I disagree. I know you disagree. Mornings with Jules and the chair for Matty White. It's Wednesdays with Webby. Good morning, everyone. Jules in the chair for Matty White today and tomorrow. Wednesdays, of course, means Wednesday with Webby. He's here in the studio with me. Now, Webby, uh, Super Bowl LVII, that's uh, 57 mm. for the layman. Your thoughts, your experience, uh, unfortunately for Australians, uh, another Super Bowl appearance without a ring for Jordan Mylata and Aaron Sipos. But as far as deciders go, it was one of the better games I've witnessed in recent times. Unbelievable match. Cracking game. Wasn't it? Yeah. Um, what can I say about Super Bowl? I do. <laughs> the details are vague from from Monday. <laughs> Any excuse from, to after yeah. I filed the froth off from I, ten a.m. After, my well, yeah. I was filing, so I went. I went. Mid strengths. I, I was You're very very disciplined. Good man. And then I filed my copy. Yeah. And then celebrated the end of the NFL season. Who were you going for, by the way? Oh, I was cheering for Philadelphia because yeah, I wanted Milada to yeah. to um to win. Aaron Sipos didn't have the greatest. Oh. He had two kicks and the second one, he's getting carpeted over the uh, the second kick, isn't he? Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, they should have stopped Tony on that 65-yard run. You know, they, you can't hang it entirely on Sipos. It wasn't the best kick. It was, what, 37-yard shank. But I hope they don't hang the bloke for that. As well, the reason like they, they, are, they lot, lost. I think you know. a lot of the Philadelphia fans are. <laughs> they are they feral, do like, aren't they? They oh. do like to hang. They are feral. Did you see the, the footage circulating on social media uh, of that controversial holding call? And this mm. is super. And the dude got so angry, he just smashed his television, ripped it off the wall. <laughs> no, they don't know what the end result's going to be. I thought it was an, it was an incredible match. So, but the thing that stood out for me was, and it just sums up, like the whole season went straight right to the last nanosecond, 
And McKinnon stopping short, he did a Frankistanda. Mm. He stopped short <laughs> and, and didn't score the touchdown for so he could wind down the clock. Just to me, shows the incredible game of chess that yeah. American football really is. Mathematics and analytics and the rest of it. And, and for the layman, they go, well, hang on, what? why would you do that? Mm. Why would you stop short of the, you know, for want of a better term, try line? Because then that would give... The try line. The try line. It's try time. The end zone. Thank you. Um, because then that would give the Eagles plenty of time to get down the field and potentially equalise. So, yeah. yeah. So th- then they, they gamble on their punter actually making the kick. And he can shank a few. Yes. Um, what's his name? Buckley? or I forgot his name. Bucko. Um, I, uh, I I thought it was um, – Malata had a, had a really strong game. I thought it was interesting that they were complaining about the playing surface after the match as well. So they'd spent, they'd spent the best part of eight to ten months preparing the grass yeah. specifically for that game, and all the players were complaining about just how slippery it was in a stadium with a roof on it. Should have the long during, studs on during the biggest. Well, they, well, I think Jalen Hurts did. He did have the long studs. Oh, well, no, he okay. had to go change his cleats uh-huh. mm. uh, midway through the game or early in the game. And and, and Malata was saying how you just couldn't you couldn't start off on your toes. You had to have your feet flat on the ground um, before the uh, before the snap. Otherwise, you'd slip over. But like I mean, they I think Hurts Hurts can attribute a couple of his touchdowns to, or at least one of his touchdowns to Malata's. Blocking, and I still think no matter what's happened, it's it's still an incredible story what John Malata's done um, from a bloke who was on offered five thousand dollars to play for North Sydney, saying no to it, and then appearing in a Super Bowl. And I read your article saying he had to put on weight, get the gut, and just build get up his gut. body mass. And how good is that? You get paid to basically eat. Exactly. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's not bad, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I'll when you pl- turn up, you said need a, you need a, you need a gut. <laughs> Imagine telling Jordan Malata, "You're not big enough, pal." Isn't that incredible. Yeah, incredible. No, wonderful it's been, story. It's been, though, it's, it? been a, it's um, the but I, I wrote this on on Monday about how the NFL's rise, and I wrote it was a cheeky headline saying that it's you know, the new Melbourne Cup, mm. for under twenty fives there is certainly something more palatable, to, for those that demographic to go and watch American football on a Monday than to go and watch a Melbourne Cup, on the first Tuesday in November. The cup is losing its luster. I think certainly is. Yeah, yeah. It's not just that. You talked about the viewing numbers in Australia, but the N- the NFL Game Pass subscriptions are rising exponentially, exponentially through the roof. Yeah, yeah. It just gets stronger and stronger every year. It's um, yeah. I know. I understand it's not everyone's cup of tea, but uh, it's there's certainly. And I was talking, I was talking to, um, I might say the exec chief executive from another sport. I was talking to about this, but. They said that the the thing is that the whole the staples of cricket and NFL and AFL and rugby union, they those laws don't apply anymore because unlike our generation where you could only really watch sure we had that's all yeah. we had, but because of game passes in all these other sports and because of uh, ES, you get everything on ESPN here, they're open up to a new. Demographic and of I wanted, everything, and I wanted to then if NFL talent scouts see now Australia or Australia, New Zealand, that sort of Oceania region as another conduit of talent into the game. Well, they've right. had that international pathways yeah. uh, set up for a few years. I, I, I've been over to a Super Bowl. The last time I went was over over covering in Atlanta, and I remember I flew down to uh, Florida to uh, – oh, God, what's his name? I've gone blank. Valentine Holmes. 
Remember him? <laughs> Remember when he was trying? He yes, was trying. He was trying do. out, and but yeah. it was it was hard. And they had athletes from all over yeah. from all over the world, mostly rugby union players. Um, but it was the the testing that they were going through was pretty heavy. It's like twelve hours a day, and half of it's on the field, and the other half is is theory trying to learn learn the game. Now, whether Valentine Holmes was ever any chance of making the NFL is debatable. Whether he was just sitting out um, a year so he could go and leave Cronulla and go to uh, to the Cowboys, that was the the conspiracy theory. But uh, the, the 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 world is um, the world is getting bigger. Malata is an example of of what is possible because before we felt that if any Australian was going to succeed in NFL football, it was going to be as a punter. You know, you think about Ben Graham and Michael Dixon and and Darren Bennett back in the day and and, and a handful of others. Because I always made the point, Webby, that I said if if you're looking for a good punter, I'd be scouring the AFL ranks. Because they can boot it far, good hang time, but they distribute the ball quickly. They can get rid of it quickly. And we've seen the setup of these pro kick academies, but now it's not just a game for punters. No, no, no. Yeah. Like it, it, there's, there's great athletes in, um, in different Australian sports. So I, I reckon they'll definitely look at more. You know, look, everyone looks at Jared, Jared Hayne and, and his, what he did there at San, San Francisco. That was incredible for him to play. Even just a couple, a handful yeah. of matches. Like it was just to be, just to get onto the roster was an achievement in itself. So what what Jordan's done in a small amount of time, I thought it was really interesting in all these media where he said it's only he's only just started to actually enjoy the game in the last two years. Wow. Wow. And he did say, and you mentioned this in your article, that it's it's a lot more complex than rugby league. It's a harder game to play. Yeah, that was his comment. Yeah, yeah he, he got asked that all through. Um, through all his media throughout the week, you know, what's transfer? Like the American journos were were fascinated with what transferred over and he said none of it. Wow. None of it because it's just a completely different sport. And the, the, the subtleties of, of, like the thing is with the NFL, all of this is like filmed. You can go there and watch like analysis, game pass analysis on on left tackle blocking, you know, for hours if you want to. And I did a little bit of that <laughs> last <laughs> week trying, for that trying, to, trying to understand the role that Jordan plays. And it's just so much more yeah. technical about, you know, trying to get a, a, a leverage in there underneath the, the defender's armpit to try and make sure you can block him but not hold him, but you can are holding him, but you don't want people to – or the referees to see that you are holding him so you'll get a penalty. It's very, very tricky. Yeah, I find it so fascinating how data-driven American sport is. I venture to say, I don't want to speak on his behalf, but I reckon he'll say the playing surface at Red Fern's a bit better than what we saw in Phoenix, Arizona. Ooh. Oh. Controversy. Controversy. 0457 736 736. Wednesdays with Webby. Let's get the news headlines. Uh, Andrew Webster is in the chair this Wednesday morning. Jules in the chair for Matty White. 0457 736 736. The open line number as well. 1300 01 1170. Uh, Webby, Rugby mm. League season 2023 is upon us. The trial action over the weekend. How many players do you think were out there? Go, gee, I better get an offload here for some bonus points. <laughs> I bet you they weren't under instruction. Mm. I bet you they were under instruction not to pass the ball. <laughs> right. I don't think I don't think the coaches care whether they win the no uh, preseason challenge. Anyone? Roy Masters, uh, Roy Masters wrote a great column uh, in the Herald a couple of days ago, saying like at the the NRL are trying to promote um, offloads and you know an exciting, expansive football, whereas at this time of year, coaches are trying to drill into their players' discipline and holding on to the ball. Correct. So. I don't think um, the lure of a hundred thousand dollar prize money for a two week tournament is really hasn't really captured the hearts and minds of the rugby league 
community. I have to say, though, it's been great to have it back. Yeah, and televised as well. The heat's mm. an issue, though. That's a big issue. It's hot. Over. Yeah. Hot in February. Yeah, it does. Mm, funny, though. As though it's sort of this is a new discovery. Are they, they're shifting the start time of um, Penrith and Helens? I think they are cool. supposed yeah. to be putting it back, yeah. Mm. Not because of industrial action from the... RLP either. No, not at all, because St. Helens are so used to 30-plus degree weather at the foot exactly. of the mat. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I mean, you and I are draggers. Ah, oh, the draggers, judging that performance, they're going to be lesser. They've had a bunch of SG ball players every against a full-strength St. Helens so team. So did every other team. Yeah, yeah I don't think – how often you judge trial form? Well, I mean, a lot of people jumped on the Dragons' charity shield form last year, so they're looking they're looking sharp. How good was Jack Bird? Tyrell Sloan's a star. They're going to be the top eight. And then, well, they weren't far from it. In the end, uh, your colleague, the Russian, Prashenko, Valentine's Day deal for women's game raises hopes of an end to the NRL paywall. So it looks like they have, both parties, have come to an agreement with regards to the conditions around the women's game. Finally, mm. it's only what, mid-February. We've got uh, the women's CBA finalised. Hopefully we get the men's CBA finalised. A pretty, pretty uh, hostile talk between the RLPA, or from the RLPA, about the NRL last week. Remember they were talking about uh, delaying the start of trial matches? Covering up the badge. Mm. Yeah. They backed away from that, though. No. So they sort of called their own bluff well, early the on. Is it's it's the, the only ace they're holding, right, is strike action. And let's be honest, they're not going to do it because if they do, they won't get paid. Yeah, that, I said so, it on this show last week. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure how many uh, of those players understand that if you go on strike, you don't get paid. I've been on strike for a week. Mm. You notice it. Yes. You notice it in the yep. pay packet. When it uh, when it comes down in a couple of weeks' time, I'm assuming this will get sorted. And look, even if they even if they haven't uh, got a CBA in place, I've, I I would be surprised if they didn't play anyway. To be perfectly honest, it's happened before, mm. um, but it's that hostile rhetoric from the RLPA and Clint Clint Newton has always said that he's not the one that's driven the idea of strike action. It's um, it's the players who want to do it, but. They've, they balked or called their own bluff at the first uh, sign of some sort of industrial action last weekend with the trials on the advice of the clubs yeah. who said don't even think about it. So I can't see them going ahead with strike action um, by the start of the se- But time's running out. <laughs> I mean, the start of the season's only a couple of weeks yeah. away. They'd want to hurry up and get it done. Otherwise, they're going to look pretty foolish after waiving the idea of strike action and then not going ahead with it. The Dolphins got a few viewers for that game, 6 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, Wayne Bennett missed the first trial match against the Cowboys. Some people have criticised the supercoach. Oops. I don't know. Um, you've been writing a book about the great Uncle Wayne. Uh, your thoughts? Look, I have, to, I have to say when I when it happened, I realised that on Sunday, I thought it was quite bizarre. Like the I first know, official sort of outing. Exactly. And it, look, it's, he's, he did it before when he was at the Broncos, but he'd been at the Broncos the first for 21 years. So... And it was hardly, you know, it was hardly surprising um, because it was a trial trial match. But I would have thought for the first sort of official match. But then he explained quite, I thought it was a really fair enough explanation the next day when he said that he was, um, that they had issues with flights and he had a very early training session with the bigger names that weren't Mm. playing in that trial against the Cowboys. So uh, I've been talking to Wayne quite a lot, as you know, I've been writing that book on him or allegedly writing that book on him. And he seems quite bemused. He said it publicly a few times now, so I'm not sort of talking out of school, but he seemed not bemused, but he seems um, quite su- surprised at how many people are writing off him and the Dolphins, given his record and given some of the players in that team. I thought the Dolphins actually looked quite good against the Cows. 
Well, let's, I think let's, their defence was pretty strong. Let's get your feelers prediction. They are wooden spoon favourites with the bookies, uh, the Dolphins. Yeah, but it, you'd be stunned if a Wayne Bennett coach team ever came last. Not saying they're top eight material, but on paper, if uh, the depth is questionable, absolutely. But it's not the worst football team. It's a it's complete, not at all. It's a, a very handy, a very serviceable footy side. And they will they will defend till the end of the day. I don't know if that's a cliche, but it is I'm now. Just, it is now. I defended. We're getting the end t-shirts of the day, made up for that now, Webby. Yeah. Just oh, listeners out there, just defend till the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. The creed. Yeah, do you it for forty by. minutes. Have a break. Do it again for another forty. <laughs> and do it till the end of the day. Thank you, man. Um, like I, I, you looked at the way a player like Ray Stone played on Sunday. That's yeah. exactly the archetypal player that Bennett wanted in his side. But it's 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 a fascinating story, isn't it? Like he's a play, He's a coach that's always, with the exception of probably the Newcastle days, had some pretty strong teams at his disposal. And just what he can do in the first couple of years of that club is going to be very interesting. I think it's more interesting what he's going to do in terms of his own future at the end of the next two years. Heading over to Christian Wolf, of course. The, uh... You'd assume so, and then what? Then what does he do? He doesn't he... strike me as a sort that would just kick back into retirement. Not, uh, and, not anyone, so including his, his closest family members, yeah. think that he'll retire, mm. he, that he'll, he'll give it up. In a hurry, but it's um, it is turning into a bit of a, a Wayne uh, saga already, isn't it? The whole um, the whole Dolphins story. So it should be good when it gets underway. Craig Fitzgibbon, uh, a vote of confidence. They're going all in on Fitzy as the coach. Re-signed till twenty twenty seven. He's only coached him for a year. Pretty successful Pretty first season. It was. So the thing with Fitzy is, and it's a little bit like a lot, like all these professional assistant coaches, the the. There was always talk that Craig Fitzgibbon was the next big coach. and But there was certainly um, not so much concerns, but there was question marks from from enough people about whether he could make the transition from assistant coach to NRL coach. And he did it very, very well, but in his first season. Um, but there's other coaches who, who have struggled since, um, you know, they've had big raps on them as assistant coaches, but when they've, when they've, uh, when they've had to take on the big role, they fade into obscurity straight away. So, Adam O'Brien would be an example. Well, I mean, he's under enormous pressure. Yep. There's, there's, everyone's talking about Anthony Griffin being under the hammer. I, I, I think um, I think Adam O'Brien's under more pressure than anybody to to get results in the, at the first sort of two months of the season to keep his job, for sure. But Fitzy, as I said, has, has bucked that trend. Um, it seems to be the new trend too in rugby league now where you get ahead of the curve and dismiss any speculation about your coach's future by signing them before the season starts. Um, so it's a big vote of confidence in Craig Fitzgibbon from Cronulla. It's it's a bit of a no-brainer, I think. Mm. I'm more puzzled by the Kevin Walters one. I was just going to ask you about that. You, know, you talk about the coaches whose heads are on the chopping block this year. You mentioned Griffin, you mentioned O'Brien, Holbrook, I imagine, is another, and Kevy Walters. Yeah. So, and further to that, I mean, in the context of Gamble's comments, of Cobbo's comments, it would seem that something is rotten there at Red Hill. No, rotten is the word, but there's, yeah, certainly, okay. there's certainly there's certainly some issues. <laughs> there's certainly some issues um, and disconnect between the playing group and the coaching staff, for sure. So if they, I, if I always, they have a wretched year, Brisbane, mm. then what are they going to do? Well, they punt him early. Yeah, but uh, so. but this is the thing though. I, I think a lot of a lot of clubs, and we saw it with uh, the Dragons and 
um, and Griffin, we saw it with Parramatta as well with Brad Arthur, where they get ahead of the curve and try and they think they're going to eliminate speculation about the coach's future by re-signing him before the season starts. Then if things start to go pear-shaped, then the speculation's going to be there anyway. Mm. I, I dare say with Walters, if like these other contracts that are done in advance, there'd be get-out clauses for a, a cheaper payout if they need to terminate early. But... I don't think just by re-signing Kevin Walters it takes the heat off either him or the Broncos board um, if things start going south early on in the season. So, yeah, there's some coaches under the hammer very early. Remember the Dragons extended Steve Price on Anzac Day? Yeah, had two or three wins in a row. He's our man, He's back. Pricey. He, we're back. He's a great assistant. Sorry? He was a great assistant. He was a great still assistant. Still is a great assistant. <laughs> he still, he was. Stevie Price. 0457 736 736. Uh, are we saying goodbye already? Yes. Are we done? Oh, can me, I get man. one more thought before we go? Sure. Uh, Appy Coruscant, are you happy with him being named Tigers captain? Well, I think it's, it says a lot that they voted him in. Mm. Very popular there straight away. If I'm a Tigers fan, right, because you know all this speculation about you know, will they, won't they, Isaiah Papali was in two minds about his commitment to the Tigers. Appy goes, no, no, sign a contract, I'll be there. As a fan, I'm thinking that's what I want to hear. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, he also signed a big, big fat contract. This so. is true. This is very yeah. true. I know. And did confess in loyal... the grand final celebrations that he's most likely not going to win a premiership there at Leichhardt slash Campbelltown. What do you do? You make him captain. Mm. Uh, um, oh, it's all to be seen with the Tigers. I, like there's a lot of lot of they've had more positive press in the last two months than they have in the last ten years, and everyone's talking them up. I just hope it's not a spectacular. But a crash and burn flop. They couldn't be worse. They, they can't be worse than last. I have a sort of face plant. I just think it's, you know, they've got three club legends in there to turn things around. If it doesn't turn around, then those bloody journo's will be after them, Jules. And they'll have Moses in 2024. Moses is coming. Is he? I don't know. You tell me. Why, are you, know, at, why are you winking at me, Andrew? I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not over that. <laughs> Thank you, Webby. No, we'll thanks, catch you at work in the City Morning Herald. Andrew Webster of Breaking Back with more. And we'll get the podcast of Wednesdays with Webby up shortly on the website, sen.com.au. We've got a stack of texts coming through, 0457 736 736. I don't have the sheet in front of me, but I'm just going to assume uh, Third Banana, that a.k.a. the Russian, a.k.a. the Seal, who's on the buttons today, that we've got a Signet Boost Power Bank to give away. Yes. Yeah, okay, cool. Valued at 60 bucks, And another double pass to the Kings v Taipans tonight as well. That's going to be a great game. And speaking of, we'll catch up with Chris Pongrass, the Sydney Kings CEO, in the next hour of the program. Now, I, a headline caught my attention yesterday. It was from the Daily Telegraph Sports Twitter handle. And the headline read as follows. Could Australia pull a selection stunner for Delhi and drop Pat Cummins? Now, it's a little bit misleading. Ben Horn had the article. We love Benny. We love his work. Short answer to that question is no. But the reason they ask the question, envisage this. If they play three spinners, right? Say so Lyon, Murphy, Kuhneman. Cam Green's back in bowls. That'll leave one spot for a specialist quick. So they're thinking, well, who's the specialist quick? Is it Pat Cummins or Smith Stark, who wasn't available for, first, for the first test? Left arm, can bowl reverse? Some would suggest it's prudent. I'll tell you now... Pat Cummins is not being dropped. Any notion of dropping Pat Cummins, get that out of your head. Here's our best bowler and one of our greatest ever bowlers. A little underwhelming. I thought he found his mojo eventually, but he didn't start particularly well. I don't think they'll play three spinners. Your strengths are still your quicks. Don't pick three spinners just because India picked three spinners. Don't do it. If you've got your plans, stick to your plans. In fact, Snap Fitness, this is my Snap judgment. We, we missed it this out 
missed out on this on the program yesterday. Snap Fitness on a mission to help you feel fantastic. I'm going to make a snap judgment. Australia wins a second test. And no visiting team has won in Delhi since 1987 as a might of the West Indies. I'm calling it. You remember the last time India were here, they got rolled for 36 and they got thumped in Adelaide and they ended up winning the series. I'm putting it out in the line and it gets underway on Friday and you hear all the action live right here on SEN, your home of cricket. Snap Fitness is with you every step of the way. Snapfitness.com.au. Australia will win the second test. I'm not sure what changes are going to make. I'll come up with my team tomorrow on the program. I have to have a think about that. Maybe you have firmer opinions. Are you dropping Pat Cummins? Do you drop Renshaw? Do you drop Warner? Who are you picking for the second test? Kooneman's over there now. He's been in regular contact with the team in India via uh, WhatsApp and Zoom and the rest of it. And the word is that maybe he's jumped Ashton Agar on the pecking order if they do indeed want to employ a left-arm finger spinner. 0457 736 736. Call me as well on the open line, one 1170 for a shot at the Kings tickets tonight, as well as the Signet Boost Power Bank. Would you ever entertain the notion of dropping Pat Cummins? So would you, if Green, presuming Cam Green's fit to bowl, comes in the middle order, he's one quick, Stark's the other quick, then you pick Lyon, because they're not going to drop Lyon, but he needs to lift. Todd Murphy, wonderful debut, and then potentially Matt Kudeman. 0457736736. Blue Bags, Brendan, on the text line. G'day, Jules. Love the show. I know you've been chatting on Peter Bowl this morning. His nickname has to be Spag, don't you think? (laughs) Oh, what about Super? I think Super might be better than than Spag Bowl. Spag Bowl is one of those things that everybody learns to cook. I think it was the second dish I ever learned to cook. It's like a staple of Australian households. You just fry a bit of mince, fry a bit of garlic, brown brown it all up, tip in the ragoletto or whatever it was. It's still called ragoletto. Dolmio. Laura, let it simmer, bit of water, and that, that's pretty much all you need to do. Like anyone could do it. Even Alex could do it. 0457 736 736 is that text line number. We'll take a break. Uh, Chris Pongrass, the CEO of the Sydney Kings, will join me in the next hour of the program. Big game tonight for the Kings. Been in the best form, actually. Lost a couple. Uh, but uh, you know what they say, finals is a whole new ball game. My snap judgment for snap fitness. Australia will win the second test. Sharky says, hasn't the test been moved, Kingy? Oh, that's a third test. Charky, move from Durham Shalar because it's it's high up sort of in the Himalayas, so the altitude's really high. And as a result, um, they had to relay the, the pitch and it hasn't quite, I guess, meshed. There's a lot of bare patches and they haven't been able to fix it in time. So that has been moved. That is the third test. So, you know, they might have the thing sewn up by then. <laughs> now, the women's are doing wonderful things in the World Cup. Well done to Georgia Wareham too. Uh, a great comeback too for the woman known as Wolfie. Darcy Brown had a great game too for 23. Georgia Wareham. Three for 20 in a player of the match performance. Uh, Bangladesh, 107 for seven. So they won pretty comfortably. They are the team to beat after thumping their arch rivals, New Zealand. It's a game changer, according to Meg Lanning. Uh, your texts are coming through thick and fast. We'll address more of those in the next hour of the program. Give me a call as well on the open line, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. First hour down. Jules in the chair for Matt White this Wednesday. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Second hour of the program. Great to have your company, 11.70am and via the SEN app. Uh, Jules in the chair for Matty White today and tomorrow. Of course, uh, we kicked off the program this news about Peter Bowl, and it was uh, revealed just as we came off air yesterday. And we know that Peter Bowl's athletics career was in the balance uh, after failing that out-of-competition doping test last year, but he then released a statement saying he re- believes he's been cleared after a B sample did not match the original A sample. However, and we need to clarify this, a sample, the A sample I was talking about, Sport Integrity Australia will still continue its investigation into the matter. So it's not over yet. 
So we know Peter Bowl finished fourth in the 800 metres at the Tokyo Games, provisionally suspended by Athletics Australia in January after that urine test showed signs of synthetic EPO. Now, it's a banned substance, according to WADA. He strongly denied, of course, he said, I implore Australians to believe me, to back my innocence. Strongly denied he'd ever taken any banned substance, requested a B sample to be analysed, and that's what happened. But then yesterday, he tweeted a statement to say the B sample did not back up the original result. Peter Bowles said, last month I told everyone I was innocent, asked that everyone in Australia believe me, let the process play out. I was hopeful that the process would exonerate me. This morning I'm relieved to report that it did. I was just informed that my B sample did not confirm my A sample. My provisional suspension has been lifted by Sport Integrity Australia. The relief I'm feeling is hard to describe. But Sport Integrity Australia, who's the country's anti-doping authority, confirmed that it had received the result of Bowles' B sample, but and this is an important point to make, the investigation into the matter remains ongoing. So Simo from Balmain has texted in. And where did that go? People on social media, says Simo, good morning to you, showing their ignorance and unfamiliarity with the process and the nature of the positive result. Not over at all. It's an atypical result. Sport Integrity Australia and ASADA will continue investigating. Remember that the positive was synthetic EPO, not the natural variety produced by the kidneys or livers. And, uh, yes, well, we'll leave it at that, but it's exactly right. We mentioned that Simo at the top of the program. You're exactly right. Atypical finding for EPO. So it will require further investigation. Would now seek a second opinion from a WADA accredited laboratory. So the B sample will be tested by another lab. So Sport Integrity Australia will, as part of its investigation, proceed to consider whether any anti-doping rule violations have been committed. Not possible to provide a time frame at this point. And since they imposed the provisional ban Athletics Australia, well, he hasn't been permitted to train at national, state or club level, Peter Bowl. Can't compete at any level. Funding suspended. At the time, he said, look, I cooperate fully with Sport Integrity Australia. As a fair hearing process has worked for him, admitted that his career was hanging in the balance, and it was. But he protests his innocence, Peter Bowl. And we'll wait and see what the finding is now that they've sent the B sample to another lab for further testing. Uh, Paul Macquarie, Pearl, good morning to you. When the Aussie middle distance runner tested positive to a banned substance, he said it was impossible. When he was banned, he was inconsolable. Now it's been cleared he's ropeable at the authorities, which is understandable. That's not bad. Thank you very much for that. How long do you work on that one, hey? Pearl, how long do you work on that one for? Because it was worth... Every moment. Our guest coming up shortly on the program, the Sydney King CEO, Chris Pongrass. They've got a massive game against the Cairns Taipans tonight. 7 o'clock at Kudos Bank Arena. Now, Jimmy Smith's got the call, along with Lucas Waxy Walker. So tune into the SEN Network. This is a big, big game. I'll also catch up with the New South Wales Waratahs assistant coach later on this hour, Chris Whitaker. Oh, Wits. He's a surfer at heart. His brother was a great surfer as well. Can't believe that the Super Rugby season's rolled around again, but there's plenty more interest in the game, particularly now with the appointment of Eddie Jones as the Wallabies coach. But you think about a lot of those players, the Tars players, it weren't necessarily on the radar, but for whatever reason, I've got a run in national colours under previous coach Dave Rennie. Well, I'll ask Wits about this. And bringing that experience back to Waratah's camp, it's a team on the rise with some serious talent. 0457 736 736. Uh, Rooster Muzz said, oh, just with regards to Webby last hour, he made the statement, you have to 
publish it. If that's the case, you're talking about this, then why do news publications have editors? Let's not forget the infamous indeed true statement on many occasions, trial by media. Thank you for that, Rooster Muzz. And uh, I was, it's 37 out here in Cowra at 3pm last Saturday. That was 39 at 5. Not sure moving the charity shield back an hour at Mudgee is going to help a great deal. <laughs> it's a fair point. Oh, yeah. So it's, what, 37? It's only 35 now. So there you go. We're all cleared to play. Oh, they have all sorts. This is what they do. They have all sorts of extra drinks breaks and the rest. It's Teamless Tuesday. How good to talk about Teamless Tuesday. And speaking of the charity shield, beautiful part in the world, Mudgee. Some of the best reds in the country. If you love a good red wine, head out to Mudgee. My auntie actually lives there. It's been a few years since I've been to Mudge. This dragon side, pretty decent. Pretty much full strength. Tyrell Sloan, Matt Fino, Sully and Lomax in the centres. Ravalara on the wing. M by playing 5-8. Hunt at 7. The forward pack. Musgrove, Little Blake, Laurie, the front row. Ben Murdoch, Masilla, Jaden Sewer, Billy Burns, the back row. And on the bench, we've got Jaden Sullivan, Frankie Molo, Josh Kerr and Aaron Woods. I know a few people are saying, well... You know, why aren't they starting with Sullivan? He's coming back from injury, so no doubt I'd imagine Hook is trying to ease him uh, back into that side. And, you know, for those like me that want to see Bud finally get his chance, uh, this is a guy agitating for release and said, no, we we believe in you. You are the future of this club. Well, it's now that, obviously, with the unfortunate circumstances surrounding the absence of Junior Ramon, well, this is his opportunity. Pretty decent South Sydney side as well. Latrell Mitchell, Alex Johnson, Isaiah Tass, Campbell Graham, Isaac Thompson, Cody Walker, uh, Lachlan Ilias, and then the front row, Tavita Totola, Damian Cook, Tom Burgess, Kian Kalomatangi, Jai Arrow, and Cameron Murray. See, that's a good pack, isn't it? It's a really good pack. And uh, the interchange bench, Blake Tuff, Peter Mamazoulos, Jacob Host, former Dragon, and Shakai Mitchell. The Pearl, I resent the accusation I work at anything, Chills. Thank you, Pearl. <laughs> I resemble that remark. 0457 736 736. Any chance of getting a scientist in to explain the technical workings of drug testing results and drugs uh, life period in the blood from Jawa? Not the worst suggestion. These things are all pretty technical, though, Jawa. I don't want to put people to sleep, but put people to sleep with the same token. Bondi Jack. Jules, as I predicted, the collectivist Marxist Philly fascist sooks ran around trashing Scottsdale, upturning cars and burning things down. They don't take losses too kindly in Philly, do they? I'm with you on that one, Pondi Jack. They really don't take losses too kindly. As one does as a lefty in America. What next, Pondi Jack? They're going to storm the Capitol? No doubt looting and assault were in there as well. Cheers. <laughs> now, uh, Brent Reid's got this article in The Telegraph. John Bateman was forced to make a special appearance at the Tigers season launched by Zoom on Monday night. Lee Hadjapantelis mentioned this to the boys on Brecky yesterday. His return, unfortunately, continues to be held up of all things, by a routine police check. So the Tigers and Bateman, they started this process of obtaining a visa months ago at the time, believing that he'd be free to take part in their pre-season. What they didn't count on, though, the West Tigers, was all this, this red tape, bureaucratic red tape, which really slows down the process. And he's in serious danger now, John Bateman, of missing the opening premiership game against the Gold Coast, Gold Coast Titan, Titans in just a fortnight. And it's understood that the hold-up relates to a standard $42 police check that's carried out by the federal police on anyone who applies for a visa to enter the country. So Bateman and the Tigers believe it would be a fait accompli, but the process has just been really, really slow. A note on the AFP website says the system currently experiencing delays in processing due to a number of factors outside their control. Must be frustrating. I know it's different to the travel visa. He's got to bring his family over as well, but not the ideal start for the West Tigers. And a lot of people are very confident 
that they're going to show a vast improvement in season 2023. Keep those texts coming in 0457 736 736. Uh, what did you think of my snap judgment that Australia will win the second test in Delhi? You heard it here first. Is there any serious thought of dropping Pat Cummins? I wouldn't think so. We've got a massive game of basketball on tonight. Very much looking forward to this. Don't tell me the result. I have to watch it in replay. I'll explain why a bit later. The Sydney Kings and the Cairns Taipans. Get your tickets at Ticker Tech. Uh, 35 bucks, 60 bucks for families. I think it is a wonderful value. One of the best game day experiences in any sport in this country. 7 p.m. tonight, Kudos Bank Arena. And we're going to call it All the Action Live right here on SEN with Jimmy Smith and Lucas Waxy Walker. I'm pleased to say the Sydney Kings CEO, Chris Pongrass, is on the line right now. Morning, Chris. Good morning, mate. Thanks for having me on. Uh, my pleasure. There's something exciting about finals time, isn't there? You sort of the season's done. Forget about the loss to Adelaide. Forget about the loss to Perth. Uh, this is where the real stuff starts. Exactly right, mate. It's it's zero zero. You know we're lucky enough to have had success this year that you know puts us in a position to have home court advantage. That's the whole point. And but now that once we've got that, you know it's, again it's zero zero and it's best of three. So we're going to take away two wins. And, and, and jump on and hopefully make the grand final. You would have been loving this because uh, being the top seed, you just sit back and just watch all the other teams beat themselves up. Oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, two, two extra games that they need to play so yeah. while we get to train. But, you know, it's, it's also tough that, um, you know, you're not knowing who you're playing. Up until Sunday night, we, you know, we could have been playing a, a number of teams. So, again, thrilled as cans. It's going to be a hard contest and, and we just want to get get Sydney around and, and out there supporting our boys. It's been one of the great matchups in this season, hasn't it? The Kings and Taipans. You faced off three times. Uh, they got a 2-1 record, uh, the one I saw at the Kingdom. Uh, thankfully, when I took my son, uh, that was that wonderful uh, buzzer beater um, to, to win the match. But it's a best-of-three format. They accounted for the Wildcats 91-78 in Sunday's playoff qualifier. It's interesting that the comments, Chris, from the Taipans coach Adam Ford, and I don't know if I'm, you know, I guess, misconstruing what he said. But my understanding was that he almost... He said he sort of chose and selected his side and, re- and picked his recruits on the basis of how they'd match up against the Sydney Kings. I mean, that that really is no greater compliment, is there? Oh, of course. No, that's a, that's a huge compliment. And, and I've got a relationship with Bordy. He was obviously an assistant and a head coach here um, for a number of years back at, at my start. So... You know, got a lot of respect for, for Mark and Adam and what they were able to create up in Cairns. And the fact that they built around trying to beat us, yeah, is a testament to, you know, the success we had last year and the last couple of years. But, you know, again, I think I think the way that we've, com- you know, composed our team um, is, is competing for another championship. We've got the MVP. We've got another all-NBL first team in Derek Walton Jr. And, and a great grass complimentary plays around them. So... Again, I'm I'm excited for the matchup, but uh, I know it's going to be a hard fought. And what an inclusion he is too. Derek Walton Jr. has been outstanding for the Kings this year. What I love about your side is just tremendous depth, probably the best depth of the competition. you got a feel too for Jackson McCoy, don't you, Chris? Uh, playing good ball and, and now an injury at the worst time. Yeah, it is, it's really tough when, when anyone gets injured, but particularly someone who was really coming into form. He, he had some minutes at the back end of that season. Um, you know, young, 22 years old. I think that the, the hardest thing for him is he was going to go play for, for South Sudan in the World Cup coming up. And so I know that that was really important to him to represent his country and play a big part in that. So 
Um, we feel for him. We're going to support him through his rehab, which is lengthy, but you know he's always going to be a, a king and, and someone who we have great hope for um, in the future. So I think Kings fans can be comforted knowing he's going to be around for a while. And if you head out there tonight, the Kings are going to hold a, a representation, as I understand, for fans of Xavier Cook's uh, worthy MVP winner before the game so he can be acknowledged by the Kings faithful, which is great. It is, mate, yeah. So if, if they come early... Um, as, the, as the teams run out, we're going to do a little presentation to save um, and, and allow our fans to, and our members to get behind him because not only has he had an amazing season, but he's been around the club now for four years and he's really the, the person who we built this team around the last couple of seasons. So for him to be finally acknowledged, really important. Um, Whoop. That he wanted down in oh, Melbourne, yeah. but mm. something that we really want to do up here. How different does it feel this season? You know, it's so hard to get to the top, and it's even harder to stay there. You got the championship. Does it feel different this year now that you're defending champions? It does, um, in a sense that you know we've tasted it, and now we want it again. We want to replicate it. Winning anything is difficult, but going back to back um, is is so much harder, right, to win it twice in a row. So we know that it's not going to be easy. And not only that, the targets have been on our back this year in particular is if people want to take us down and teams come out to play against us. You know, they hit shots and, and they play physical and, and they know the way we like to play. So they try to um, adjust and shut us down. So I think that we're welcoming of that challenge. But, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting one that we know that it's a tough road ahead, but I think we're up for it. Looking at the Kings this year, record crowds, Chris, record engagement. You know, now you've got that spot on Christmas Day. Has it achieved all your expectations or exceeded your expectations in terms of what you want for this organisation? I don't think... <laughs> um, I don't want to take this the wrong way. I don't know if I'll ever truly be satisfied because I always sure. want more. Yeah. Um, you know, we won the championship last season and um, I've probably been struggling with this a little bit. The next morning I woke up, you know, feeling a little empty inside because I was focused on next season, right? It's like, how can we be better? How can we go back to back? So I think that that, you know, I think is carries a lot of weight with our group and that we always know there's ways to improve and success, you know, we want continued sustained success and never be satisfied with what we've done. I can't be more thrilled with how we've performed this year, both on the court and off the court. Again, record numbers in membership attendance, 75,000 through the door in, in January alone. We've got a great fan base and we're, we're top of the table. So, of course, I'm thrilled by the success we're having. But I think if you're ever satisfied and, and relaxed that's, and take your hands off the wheel, that's when, you know, things uh, start to become derailed moving forward. So, for us, it's knowing ways we can improve and mate I want another championship I want another ring I want a third ring I want a fourth ring um, we want Sydney Sydney's a wing town mate I want this for our fan base and our players that I want multiple years of sustained success before we let you go I spoke to your owner Paul Smith a couple of times in the past few weeks and I don't know if you're sort of saying it in jest but I like this idea he suggested maybe Chris that we have a Angus Glover, front and centre for Adapto Dogs Meet, and that uh, SEN can do a, an OB from there. Let's make this happen. 
mate. He's been talking about that for three years now. <laughs> We've got to make it happen. We've got to make, make it, it happen. happen. Gus, well, Gus is on board. Our boys will love it. They'll get around. They have a, have a slap on the dogs, mate. We gotta we gotta find a way to get this going because no, it'll be a great event, mate. Make it a fundraiser, you know. Let's get some sponsors around it. Let's let's do it. Let's get your people to chat to our people. Great to catch up as always, Chris. The Kings and the Taipan tonight. Kudos, Ben Karina. We've got a double pass to give away in the program today. But for those that want to get out there, as I said, wonderful game day experience and finals is a whole new ball game. Jump on the website, uh, Ticket Tech. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. There he is, Chris Pongrass, the Sydney Kings CEO. Yeah, look, we do love the Sydney Kings here on the SEN Network who will broadcast that game live tonight. Jimmy Smith with the call, the Kings and the Taipans. A double pass to give away to that game tonight. 0457 736 736. Now, just regarding my chat to their CEO, Chris Pongrass, I did say I'll have to watch the game and replay. Don't tell me the score because tonight I'm actually going to see Sting in concert. You know, he's about 70 years old, Sting, and he's still going strong. Tell me that doesn't age well. That's still a kicking song. 70 years young. He's still fighting fit, though, isn't he? I'd love to have a body like Sting at the moment. He's all at the tantric stuff. He'll probably, you know, Sting's the sort of guy you reckon live to 100, but he'll play all his police hits and, you know, his Englishman in New York and he's a bit more laid-back fields of gold. So looking forward to that. That's somewhere in Darling Harbour. I don't know. I'll find out. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to the Sting concert tonight, so I can't watch the Kings live, sadly. But I'll catch it afterwards. 0457 736 736. Now, this is from Maxi from the Gong. The Australian cricket team beating India. Not a snowball's chance in the proverbial. Jules, are you really talking crazy on this one? You've got to believe. You've got to believe. I suspect you need to talk our chances up, seeing as SEN is a broadcaster. If those comments are genuine, could you outline how you believe we can win? Let me think about that during the break. Look, Australia are a very decent cricket side, Max from the Gong. They got shafted in the first test, no doubt. They'll have to revise their tactics, revise their plans, stick solid to what they think will work. But it's not as though they're bad cricketers. You know, if Smith and Labuschagne fire, they win the toss, bat first, all of a sudden, you know, Lyon might bowl differently. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying it's doable. And I have to sometimes put it out there. It's my snap judgment for snap fitness. Uh, but it's, they're a very real chance of winning. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, and it shouldn't be easy to win away from home. What does it do mentally to this Australian cricket team? I don't know if it does as much as people suggest it does. And this is the nature of cricket in 2023. And you probably have T20 to thank for that. There's always a game around the corner. They have this capacity, and all the best athletes are able to do it. Put the bad ones out of their mind and focus on the next play or the next game. And I reckon as a result of, of this proliferation of T20 cricket, we've seen a shift in that mindset. You don't dwell on it. Come on, let's get on with it. You've got to believe. How good is Sting making 300 mil last year? Struggling. Did he make 300 mil, Jez? Good morning to you. Good coin. Well, just on that, I believe, and they talk about performance royalty. So every time, if you're a band, you write a song and it gets played in a shopping mall or on radios, in this case, they get a little cut from it. So they get a, a, a percentage. So performance royalty. Every breath you take, the everyone's favourite stalker song by the police. I understand. I've, I've seen different reportings and representations of this, my understanding it is the most, if not one of the most, played songs in radio history. Be in the top five, every breath you take. One of the most played songs in radio history. So I reckon he's doing all right for himself. 
He's 70. Andy Summers, the guitarist for the police, who was 10 years old. He's 80 now. Way to make you feel old. Anyway, looking forward to that. I'll report tomorrow on how good the Sting concert was. He was from Newcastle. I think he might be a supporter of a... Maybe he's a, a closet member of the Toon Army. Old Sting. Now, just on football, Champions League action this morning. Bayern Munich won, had a red card, have defeated PSG nil, and Milan won over Spurs nil. This is the round of 16, the first leg of two. Tomorrow we've got Club Rouge and Benfica, Dortmund and Chelsea, and then on Wednesday, Liverpool, Real Madrid, and Eintracht Frankfurt against Napoli. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. that is the open line number. Give us a call if you want to have a crack at these Kings tickets tonight as well as a Signet Boost power bank and keep those texts coming in 0457 736 736 let's get the news headlines everyone's favourite stalker song we welcome in 2am Coinsy Tommy for the first time in the studio today. Uh, thank you, Mulchy. You've been busily researching this. Is that radio's most... I, I know it's up there, Every Breath You Take by the Police. Most played song in radio history. Morning, Jules. Morning, listeners. Yeah, I've I've seen a, a lot of lists, a lot of Beatles, a lot of Rolling Stones, but, yeah, you're right. Every Breath You Take is somewhere in the top 10, top 15, no matter what list you look it up. I've got a website in front of me called davesmusicdatabase.blogspot.com. And he said, look, the figures are a little rubbery on this, but he's got Every Breath You Take number one. Brown-Eyed Girl, Van Morrison, number two. Uh, three is I Can't Get No Satisfaction by the Stones. Four, I Will Always Love You, Whitney Houston. Five, Yesterday by the Beatles. Six, You've Lost That Love and Feeling, Righteous Brothers. Seven, Layla, Derek and the Dominoes, Eric Clapton. Baby, I Need Your Lovin' by the Four Tops is eight. Every Little Thing She Does is Magic. The Police, nine... And then the kinks, you really got me. Intense. There's some bangers in there. Wow. So according to this list, they've got two in the top ten. No wonder he's rolling in the in the moolah. Jeremy, Sting is indeed a Geordie. Google Sting's wedding vest to see what he wore for his marriage to Trudy Styler. I will have to do that. You know he got his nickname Sting because he used to wear a, a like a black and yellow striped jumper when he was a school teacher. Do you know what his real name is, Thomas? Oh, Put me on the spot here. No, I don't know. Initials are GS. What's Sting's real name? There you go. 0457 736 736. Uh, Pearl, this is very funny. When Sting retires, does he become stung? <laughs> that's not oh, that's, bad. That's outstanding, Pearl. Could someone tell me what Sting's real name is? Do you know the answer? Initials are GS. Uh, Rooster Mars has a good text on the text line, Thomas. Uh, Kingy, Coins and Mulchy. Normally I couldn't give a rat's about basketball, but because of the strong stand that the Cairns Taipans took against that virtue signalling crap involving pride singlets, I hope the Taipans go on to win the grand final. The only special round should be volunteers round Rooster Muzz. I vehemently disagree, Rooster Muzz. Did you see the proposed jersey that they had? So it was a little champion logo. Yeah, the splash. You wouldn't even notice you it. You wouldn't even yeah, notice oh, it. There was a big overreaction. I, I urge people to read. There's a wonderful article in The Good Weekend by Conrad Marshall, is an excellent writer based out of Melbourne, on Isaac Humphreys. Just have a, have a look at that, read that. It might give you a bit of perspective on this whole thing. But still, always love to hear from you. You know I do, and we love you still, Rooster Muzz. In regards to Australian cricket team's chance of winning in Delhi, are they overrated, Stu from Cronulla? I use this term a lot, and Stewie every time picks me up on it. Overrated. Overrated. Thomas? Are you a fan of the, that word, overrated? 
I think the word is actually underrated, if anything. I think it's overused, like the word goat. Yes. It's overused a lot. It is. That's oh, true. God, Jules, you're talking about the Australian cricket team just looking at that drop Well, it's unfortunate, isn't it? Because, I mean, they keep replaying on Fox Cricket. So we've got about five screens in our studios here at SEN. And they just got the first test loss on but rotation. Steve Smith's drop as well. He's, he's usually safe as houses mm. um, in the Still a better there. slipper than Coley, though. But I, I, um, I like your prediction because, as you mentioned, mm. the 2020-2021 series, we bowl India out for 36 in Adelaide. And then everyone forgets, Virat Coley played in that test match and when then he I left. He had a baby. He had a baby um, due. It was their B team, effectively. Rahana captain. Oh, no one had heard of Washington Sundar. No one had heard of Mohamed Siraj. And then they come out and they was it was a draw in Sydney and then they come out and beat us in, in Gabba. Remember what Tim Payne said? So get, just wait till we get to Brisbane. Right? Yeah, yeah. silly, silly man. Know, there, well, that was Payne. a cracky. Of course, they don't have Richard Part to bring them home this yeah, time. Well, it <laughs> doesn't, look, doesn't really was. look like they need Richard Part right what now. What an innings that was. We could so. do with a Richard Part. Um, anyway, rugby league. Mm. Do you remember your old friend Josh Maguire? Played for the Broncos, played oh. for the Cowboys, played for your mighty yeah. Red V Dragons. Oh, Remember him well. So he's now signed with the Warrington Wolves, and the Super League kicks off this weekend. So Super League, great. Uh, rugby League in North of England. In a preseason match, he was sent off for the use of unacceptable language. Um, and in quotes, it was for disability discrimination towards an opponent during his side's recent preseason game against the Lee Leopards at Halliwell Stadium. Um, he's now been suspended before the match for seven games. And given a one thousand pound fine, so Josh McGuire, what's the old saying? A leopard never changes its spots. Mm. Um, I think he was given the nickname Grub along with Josh Reynolds. He's now been suspended for seven games before the start of the Super League season for the use of unacceptable, unacceptable language against an opponent. Not the best way to start your Super League career. Well, I would suggest. Uh, yes, caveat emptor, which is Latin for buy beware. I think you know what you get yourself into when you recruit Josh McGuire. Um, you know, disability, what was the term? Disability yes. discrimination. So you can figure out, you can pro- probably put two and two together and, and figure out what Josh Maguire has said. You know, I, some people this morning were saying, oh, seven games over the top. But if you want to eradicate this language, this behaviour, people say I didn't really mean it. It's not the point. It's, it's that subconsciously we have this stuff built into us and that's what you need to try and weed out. And if that means seven games in a final, so be it. It gives me flashbacks to um, Dylan Napa. In his first game for Catalans last year, gets sent off, red card and oh, sent off. Oh, God, he just saw red like his hair, just saw red. Um, text like, from John. Just like split ends. Text from John. Who's the most overrated in the pl- player in the NRL 2 a.m.? Tommy, that's a great question. The most um, over. See, I don't, give me, I don't give like me a couple these minutes. Give me a couple minutes. I mean, that's look, if you know, Phil Goodwin said if you can play one game of NRL, you are tough, you could play. It yeah, but so doesn't mean you can't criticise them, Jules. Yeah, no, no, I'm a. I'm, I'm not saying that they're, you know, it's like saying, oh, the worst ever Origin player. I don't like that kind of talk. Yeah, well, of course not. You don't want to hit a player when they're down. Overrated. But I mean, you can still critique them. Yeah, and the Stewie will get stuck into me if I call anyone overrated. Again, I'll have a think and um, think about it. Um, now there's a text here from Brett, and I kind of had these thoughts about um, the Cronulla Sharks re-signing. Craig Fitzgibbon until the end of 2027. So here he goes, yeah. morning, Julian. Just wondering why the Sharks are rushing up to tie Craig Fitzgibbon. It's a good deal for Fitzy, but I'm worried why clubs do this so early before the season has started because didn't this happen with Anthony Seabold? Coach one year at South and the Broncos signed him on a five-year deal only to be stung. By the way, not a Sharks fan. Muzz from Buff Point. 
go well, the Kings. We raised this with Webby in the first hour. So this tends to be the norm now is to, to lock down coaches that you know are going to be in high demand. Right. So if, if for example, uh, what was his original contract? I don't know. It was until the end of 2024. But if he has tremendous success, then his price is going to go up. Yes. Right. And so that's what they're trying to do. One year at the Sharks is enough to say, well, this guy's made the transition from assistant coach to head coach. I don't have a major problem with it. And likewise, there may, we don't know the details of the contract, but there may be clauses in that contract, uh, performance clauses. So if they don't yeah, make the eight for X number of years, KPIs. if we pay you out, we pay you out X percentage of your contract. There example. is some um, some examples, though, where it come, can come back to buy. You mentioned Steve Price, but the Dragons did this last year with Anthony Griffin. They did it in February last year before the season started. They re-signed him for another two years. Yeah, but it's 2023. That's in 2027, right? No, I agree. But so. that, that's for Craig Fitzgibbon, who had a really good um, inaugural season, debut season with the Sharks. The Dragons did it with Anthony Griffin, who hadn't done anything yet with the Dragons. And One I know you year. want to invest you in know, their future. I, I get all that for stability. It wasn't a long-term contract. I, I, I wasn't that critical of that decision at the time, I have to say. Let's just see how the season goes for the Dragons. Uh, huh. I know you're death riding them. Well, they're my wooden spooners right now. Yeah, are they? And I agree. You got with... the dragons below what? So the knights, the warriors, and the dolphins. Yeah, I've really? I, I, I've said. Want, it... Hey, let's have a bet on that then, okay? Okay. Well, can I just explain my point, please? Please. Um, thank you. I agree with Webby. I can't see a Wayne Bennett coach side coming last. Let alone, I don't think they come bottom four. I think they come twelfth or thirteenth. I think I don't think the Dolphins come bottom four this year, and I might get a lot of hate. A lot of listeners might laugh in my face or laugh on the text line because they can't really see me face to face. They have to put laugh emojis. Yeah, yeah. Send, sending your laugh emojis if you agree. But I, I cannot see them finishing last or bottom four. The I Dolphins. don't have them last. Maybe bottom four. I don't know. I think it's the Dragons. Sorry, unless I mean Ben Hunt played out of his skin last year, and you guys were. You finish what tenth or eleventh, but you f- you finish with a whimper to to finish the season. So I I don't have a lot of confidence in your team. If you look at that charity shield side, um, yikes! That's all I can say. Yikes! Christ Almighty! All right, let's continue the discussion off air. We had a lot of Chris's this hour. Chris Pongrass, the CEO of the Sydney Kings. After the break, we're going to catch up with Chris Whitaker. He's the assistant coach of the New South Wales Waratahs. The season gets underway this weekend against the might of the Brumbies. Uh, a lot of players. With that spring tour experience, how are they going to go? Time to chat a bit of Super Rugby on the program this morning. And I tell you what, people are starting to talk about the 15-man code once again. And the timing is beautiful as you look ahead to the World Cup. Before that, of course, we have another round of Super Rugby. I'm pleased to say that Chris Whitaker, the Waratahs assistant coach, is on the line right now. Morning, Wits. Good morning. How are you? Going really well. Uh, as I said, people are talking about it. Uh, let's kick it off with Eddie. No, it's not all about Eddie, but I tell you what, in terms of publicity and people chatting about rugby again and getting excited about rugby again, this appointment is, is a real shot in the arm for the game in this country. No, it is, 100%. We've got a big uh, 10 years of rugby coming up too, so uh, things to look forward to with, uh, obviously, Eddie in charge now. But, um, yeah, we've got... You know, the World Cups and British Lions uh, series coming up in the next 10 years and the Women's World Cup as well. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But it all starts off, uh, what, next Friday night we play the Brumbies. Mate, it's remarkable. Does it feel like the off-season's getting shorter for you? Yeah, 100%. I mean, <laughs> we went to uh, Narrabah last week. It was 38 degrees. Uh, it was a bit tough for the boys. But, um, yeah, it just seems like it's getting earlier and earlier. But uh, I think... You know, we've had a really good off-season, so I think the guys are ready. I think they're sick of training. I think they're really ready to start playing some games. You know, it's fascinating looking at the Waratahs. They're on that upward trajectory. There's a real sort of changing the guard and some great talent coming through. 
Looking at 2022, what, six position, eight wins, six losses, uh, went down 39-15 to the Chiefs in the quarters. Uh, what have you learned from last year and, and have you focused on those areas that you need to improve on? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think the, the Kerry teams just were a little bit bigger than us. I mean, especially in that uh, the quarterfinal against the Chiefs, um, they just overpowered us. Um, so, you know, the boys have spent a lot of time in the off-season. You know, some guys have been doing eight weight sessions a week just to put on a bit of size, a bit of power. Um, you know, you, got, you can't forget that you know, we're quite a young squad. Uh, we've got a few of the older guys back, obviously, at the end of last year with Ned Hannigan coming back and, um, and Michael Hooper uh, and Jed Holloway and things like that. But, uh, you know, the majority of the, of the uh, squad is quite young. So, you know, still growing and still getting stronger. So hopefully this year, you know, we'll, we'll match it with the Kiwis. Well, you came off a tight 33-32 win over the Reds in the final preseason match over the weekend. Uh, what was the intensity like? Did it feel like a preseason game, or was it a case of we were taking on our arch rivals? Uh, this has got the intensity of a of a Super Rugby clash. Yeah, it was it was up there for sure. I mean, obviously playing the Reds, you always want to beat them. Um, and secondly, we're playing for a bit of money, so um, <laughs> yeah. you know, the guys want to Helps. win the money, yeah. win the cash. Yeah, so the women beat the Queensland team as well. So then it was up to us to beat the Reds and uh, to, to win both the, uh, the men's and the women. You got a bit of a bonus there as well. So uh, there's plenty of, plenty of lines. So it was definitely one we wanted to win. You know, it's funny, obviously, uh, Dave Rennie's been moved on and, and through injury and other reasons, he had to, I guess, he, debut a whole bunch of players that he wouldn't necessarily have had a debut over that spring tour. Thinking about the guys, the Tars players, I'm thinking like, you know, Betty Donaldson, Ed Mead, of course, Jake Gordon in a... A clash for that scrum half position. Mark Noanga Tawazi is an absolute weapon. You know, that experience for these sorts of guys, um, what does that mean to them and, and how does it improve them ahead of this Super Rugby season? It definitely gives them the confidence. Um, you know, Langy Gleeson is another one that went overseas on tour and played a test match. You know, guys like Marky Noanga Tawazi, he he wasn't in the mix for the Waratahs uh, at the beginning last year. Not saying he wasn't good enough, but he just wasn't, you know, those guys training a little bit better than him. So, you know, for him to improve gaming, you know, each game just get better and better and to, to apply himself and then to get a Wallaby spot. You know, you can even see him now when he comes back from uh, from the off-season and from his overseas trip with the, uh, with the Wallabies. You know, his, his, uh, his uh, enthusiasm, his uh, experience and just everything's just gone through the roof. So, you know, we've benefited a lot from... from you know, a lot of those guys getting test match experience last year for sure. Excited to get back to your home ground, the spiritual home, and a brand new one at that, Allianz Stadium. Yeah, can't wait. I mean, um, you know, the boys are so excited. You know, we loved playing there at the old stadium, at the old Ends Footy Stadium. Um, last night we had the season launch there, and we actually stayed the night on the grass there last night just to. Uh, yeah, what well, you can't doubt. Yeah, Did you? This wow. Yeah, some guys just bought a mat and a pillow, but um, yeah, we all stayed out there, and uh, it, unfortunately it rained a bit, so there was a oh. bit of jostling around for the best spots undercover. <laughs> but uh, we took the grass on the on the edge where it was undercover. But yeah. that was a good night. We got up early this morning and packed up our uh, our swags and and went home. Good on you. That is earthing yourself. Hey, uh, who's one for our listeners? Uh, one to watch uh, for this upcoming season. Well, I think yeah, we've got a couple of young guys coming through as well. I think Maxie Jorgensen, um, straight out of school. He impressed last week. Famous so, name, uh, isn't think, it? Yeah, Peter Jorgensen, his old man, obviously. Played played for Randwick, played for Wallabies, and went on and played league as well. So, um, yeah, he's he, there's something special about him. Um, and guys have been training really well. Obviously, you've got Tane Edmund and Ben Donaldson doing some really good things. Um and then you've got guys like Isaiah Parise who hasn't played a, a, a trial match yet. So, you know, he, he's 
he's training the house down. Every time he touches the ball, he's electric. So, um, you know, the boys have put in the hard shift in the preseason. We're looking forward to playing this first game. What's a pass mark for the Tars this season, Wits? Uh, top four, I think everyone's yeah, CEO included. Um, you know, we're, we're aiming for top four. So, you know, long-term goal is to you know, get back to the uh, the best Australian team. Um, you know, we've probably we've struggled against the Reds and the Brumbies over the last few years, but, um, you know, we've caught our way back. So this year we're really going to go for that kind of title. Yeah. And then top four in the Super Rugby for sure, trying to get a home semi. Yeah, exactly. Aim high, Friday 24th of Feb, the Waratahs and the Brumbies. That's another great rivalry. rivalry. Allianz Stadium, get your tickets now at ticketech.com.au. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Chris Whittaker, best of luck for the season. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having a chat. There he is. Chris Whittaker, the New South Wales Warriors. Yeah, Jill's in the chair for Matty White. I seem to recall Chris Whittaker back in the day because he was permanently stuck on the bench behind George Gregg and the great Greggs. And he got the nickname Splinters because he was sitting on the bench, sitting on the pine for so often. Now we're going to break for news coming up at 11 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. We'll catch up with Lachlan McCurdy from Code Sports after this to talk all things cricket and the second test. I know plenty of people on the text line have their say about who should be dropped and what changes the selectors need to make as they head into the second test at Delhi commencing Friday. Just some rugby league news. Great news, too, for the North Queensland Cowboys. They've agreed to a four-year contract extension with Jeremiah Nanai. So that now will run through to the end of 2027. He was hot property, extended for one year. I know the Dragons and, and uh, I think these managers set up to six clubs were inquiring about his services, Jeremiah Nanai. He's emerged as one of the top edge forwards in the NRL, despite not yet celebrating his 20th birthday. Just his second NRL season, he represented Queensland and Australia. The 19-year-old came through the Cowboys' Cairns Academy before joining the NRL squad straight out of high school ahead of the 2021 season. Made a try-scoring NRL debut, if you recall, round 21 in 2021, foreshadowing a record-breaking start to his first-grade career. So he's had just 27 appearances, Nenai, in his first two NRL seasons. 18 tries, including 17 in 2022. That is the most in a single season by a forward in Cowboys club history. Went on to play, as we said, all three games for Queensland in this year's State of Origin series, that winning series. And then was part of Australia's successful World Cup campaign. So well done to the Cowboys. They've secured the services of boom back row Jeremiah Nanai through to the end of the 2027 season. one 300 That is the open line number. Double pass to the Kings Taipans to give away tonight. And on top of that, a Signet Boost power bank. Back with more of your calls and your texts after the break. Lachlan McCurdy from Co-Sports to talk all things cricket on SEN Mornings. Yeah, welcome back, everyone. Finally out of the program, Jules in the chair for Matty White this Wednesday. Back on deck tomorrow, and then normal transmission resumes next week when Matty will be with Matty Johns on the Monday. On the text line, this is from 853. It simply says, hi, Jules. So 853, I don't know who you are, but hi. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Lock and McCurdy from Code Sports up shortly. We're going to talk all things cricket. Uh, everybody's a selector, aren't they? That's what I love about cricket supporters in this country. We all know it's best. You know, Langer wouldn't have allowed this nonsense. What were they thinking, picking this? Or dropping Travis Head? You got to drop Pat Carvers. You got to drop Water. You got to drop Nathan Lyon. Everyone's got a thought, and I'm keen to hear your thoughts on the program today. Just on Peter Bowl, it's a big story in Australian sport. Uh, Michael Gleeson in the Nine Papers is reporting that he will now get back into training Peter Bowl as early as Thursday, after his provisional doping ban was lifted, and begin to push to qualify for the World Championships later this year. He hasn't trained Peter Bowles since January 10, where he's provisionally suspended, of course, following that positive A sample test for EPO. Now that the ban's been lifted, following analysis of the B sample, his uh, coach, Justin Rinaldi, said that the 28-year-old would return to work. So he's let a few days, or enjoy a few days, just to, I guess, process it all, this result. 
because there has been a big mental strain on him. And he asked people to back him. So now he's going to get back into training with a view, Peter Bowl, and a push for the World Championships. Of course, uh, what they're going to do is now test that B sample in another lab. So he's not completely out of the woods, and the investigation is ongoing. So it's not a complete exoneration. It's important that we, we ram home that point. Reptile. G'day, Shagger. Overplayed, overrated players. Matt Burton, easy big kick. That's all. That's a little harsh on Matty Burton, isn't it, Reptile? Good morning to you. Hang on, says Rooster Man. Josh Grenells is a happy <laughs> grub. Josh Maguire is a Queensland grub. Important distinction, Rooster Man. Very important distinction. He's a good man, Josh Reynolds. We've got a lot of time for Josh Reynolds. And actually, just on that, I've got to find it, Jace, with regards to Josh Reynolds and his seven-match ban for a a uh, disability slur, I think is the term, or words of that effect. And a fine. Uh, g'day, Kingy. Uh, two things. Gordon Sumner. Oh, yes. I did say what Sting's real name. I had about 50,000 texts come in, all our clever cookies. Uh, Gordon Sumner is Sting's real name. Got to see him in concert tonight. Isn't Josh? Thank you. Josh Maguire, vision impaired. Yeah, he's missing vision from one eye. Uh, would make a disability slur even more disappointing. Can't disagree with you, Jace. I don't rate Moses M. By. I would suggest that rating is overrated. As for Tommy, can you ask him who holds the Anzac Day Cup? Says <laughs> you from Cronulla. I think he knows, but I will ask him. Well, then had a good day. Happier times for the Mighty Dragons. I'd swap it, though, Stewie. I'd swap it for a top eight berth. The most common excuse, which I can't cop for bad behaviour, says Brisbane Eel, and roll that too often, it's not in his character. Well, it's probably in there deep down somewhere, isn't there? Or, you know, you missed a trick here, Brisbane Eel. You've got to put it in rugby league speak, and I think you know what I'm talking about. Not so much not in his character, but that's not his go. That's not his go. Uh, Space Ghost, uh, that Tigers team name for the trial against the Raiders is enough to bring a little smile to the face of an old, broken Tigers fan, even without Brooks and Bateman. I think it moved, Jerry. I think it moved. It's not a bad side. In fact, I'll bring it up right now. Um, so the Tigers take on the Raiders, 2.55 p.m., on Sunday, Dane Laurie, David Nofaluma, Brent Naden, Tommy Taylor, Tommy Talao, Kenny Mamola, Adam Dewey, and Brandon Wakem. So normally Brooks would be your seven. Uh, you know, Mamala on the wing, you might start with Staines, but that's, I think, going to be pretty close to their back line for round one. And yes, I think uh, Laurie's my fullback ahead of Staines, 100%. Tommy Talao, uh, when I spoke to Vossi last week, filling in for Vossi of all people on Breakfast is going to be a year, big year for Tommy Talao, he thinks. And the forward pack, Stefano Torquemano, good to see him get a hit out again. Jake Simpkin, Dave Clemmer, Isaiah Papali'i, Alex Seyfarth, Alex Twall. And then on the bench, you've got Fanua Pole, Charlie Stain, Sean Bloor, and uh, Tugi Simpkin. So it's a pretty decent side, Space Ghost. It's a pretty decent side. The question is, you know, can Sheens get the best out of him? 0457 736 736. In regards to the Australian cricket team's chances of winnings in Delhi, uh, are they overrated to Stuart? <laughs> Thank you, Stuart. Jules, Bondi Jack. I do realise none of the... Oh, no, Bondi Jack, that was your follow-up text. And uh, you believe that Warner and Lyon should be dropped. I've got a 1,000 here. I've got to try and dig it up. Here we go. Jules, I'd certainly drop Lyon and Warner. Think about it. Murph is our premier right-handed offie. Two of them won't work. Also, Kuhneman, a Jadeja prototype, Molly Dooker, has been sent over. Warner is finished. Renshaw is only one test back on the back of his opening feats. Don't burn him for the ashes. This means head at five. Flick, pity, pat for green. Sorry, JK, we ain't got to believe. <laughs> so you're dropping Pat Cummins. I'm not convinced that he's going to bowl, though, Cameron Green. They're keeping their cards a bit close to their chest. The thing about it is with regards to Lyon and Murphy, they say, well, they're both off spinners. You, you've got to pick variety. But on the flip side of that, don't you just pick your two best spinners? If they're your two best, then there's enough variety between them. 
the different side types of bowlers. More of a side spinner, Todd Murphy, whereas Lyon, as you know, is more of that the top spinner, over spinner style bowler. They're not dropping Lyon. They're certainly not dropping Cummins. Should they drop Warner? There's a case to dropping Warner. I have a feeling, though. I have a feeling that they'll give him one more test. Kane says, hi, Jimmy. Well, Jimmy's on after 12. We'll speak to Jimmy in about half an hour's time on the program. Loving the West Tigers radio at the moment. Keep it up, buddy. Good on you, Kane. It's Jules, by the way. Uh, this one's got it right, Gary. Hi, Jules. As a cricket fan, four years, I find LBW's confusing at times. They say outside the line of off stump is not out, which um, is normally the case. But at times I've seen it given out. I'm pretty sure on the leg side that can be given out outside the line. No, 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 no. Uh, no. If the pitch is outside the line of leg stump, you can't be out no matter what. The pitch is outside the line of off stuff. You can be out. It's got to hit you in line, though. But if you don't offer a shot, it can hit you outside the line of off stump and you can be given out. Does that make sense, Gary? So if the ball pitches outside the line of leg stump, can't be out LBW. Pitches outside the line of off, absolutely, but it still has to hit you in line with the stumps. Unless you don't offer a shot, then it can hit you outside the line of the stumps and still be given out. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Martin, what a shock. Roosters, front runners for Dom Young. Are there any beachside units left at Bondi? Cheers, Eagle <laughs> Well, hang on, just on Dom Young. Tom, Tom might have a thought on this. They're getting Dom Young. Aren't they trying to sniff out some winger from UK as well? Does that mean that they sense a writing the wall that they expect Suali'i to maybe fly the coop, dabble in rugby, and then come back? Thoughts on that? 0457 736 736. Uh, everybody has a thought on the second test. And one man that certainly have forthright opinions is our mate Lockwood McCurdy from Code Sports is on the line right now. G'day, Lockie. G'day, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. I almost fell off my chair. I saw this tweet from the Daily Telegraph Sport yesterday. Ben Horn wrote the article. It didn't quite match the headline, to be fair. But it said, you know, could Australia do the unthinkable and drop Pat Cummins. Pull a selection stunner, I think, was the terminology. Uh, let's knock it in the head. They're not dropping the captain, but the thinking behind it was, well, if they feel they need to go in with three spinners, say, for example, Lyon, Murphy, and, you know, maybe Kuhnman or Agar, if Green's fit to bowl, then that leaves the spot for a specialist quick. Uh, and do you try and squeeze Mitchell Stark back on the side, being a left armour as well as, as an exponent of reverse swing? But you know what? It's, it's, it's got tongues wagging, and I can tell you, Lock, and a few people say, yep, drop Pat Cummins. It's not going to happen. No, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But it, it does kind of show that it's the sort of problem you leave yourself open to with having a bowling captain, that it's, you've got to make those horses the course of decisions. And while I agree with you, I don't think it's going to happen. It's not going to happen because they kind of can't. They kind of put their arm behind them back and go, oh, well, well what are we going to do here? So I, I do think going three spinners, I mean, we, we saw what happened in Nagpur. So it's only going to get probably more spin from here. So it's going to be the way to go. And especially with Cam Green kind of now being sort of uh, still a question mark over him for this second test, I think you, you kind of have to still pick two quicks just in case things don't work out. So two quicks, three spinners and go from there. But yeah, it's really hard to see what's going to happen. And, well, yeah, I agree with you. I do see where the article's coming from in terms of in an ideal world, you go Cam Green is your all-rounder, so you've got an extra batter there. And then you go one quick three spinners and Mitch Stark is probably the one that has the most point of difference. You know, it's funny. that They've, in a sense, painted themselves in a corner here, haven't they? Because in the aftermath of that, mm. that hammering in Nagpur, 
uh, Cummins and McDonald said, no, no, we believe we got the selections right. We trust our processes. It, you know, all the usual platitudes. But so where does it leave them? So if Green is not fit, Hazel's not fit, say even Stark's not fit, what are they going to do? Do they do they raise the white flag and say, you know what, we got it wrong by admitting Travis Head? And do they pick him? And if they pick Travis Head, do you drop Warner and open with him? Do you drop Renshaw and, and put him back in the middle order and maybe move Hanscom to six? I don't know. But they're sort of, in that respect, uh, they made a rod for their own back here. Travis Head's the real interesting one. For me, I think you have to bring him back into the side. Because I agree. He, he, he wouldn't have done worse than what Hanscom and Renshaw did in that first test. And I, I, get, I get the concern around Travis Head in India and in the subcontinent. He has struggled... Uh, they struggled in Sri Lanka, struggled a, a bit in Pakistan. But for me, especially the last two summers here in Australia, in the pitches that have been most difficult to bat on, you look at the Gabba against South Africa, you look at Hobart and the Ashes, he was the Aussie batter who stood out. He was the one who rose to those conditions and looked the best. So we've got two tests, or sorry, three more tests, where the conditions are going to be hard for batters to bat on. And now we've got a guy who has shown that he's ready to rise for the occasion. Sure, it's in Australian conditions. It's a bit different. But you've got a guy who's gone, he's put the bit between his teeth. He's batted better than Smith. He's batted better than Labashane in those particular tests. You have to give him a go for me. Yeah, I, I was perplexed by that decision. You know, given mm. his form, given his confidence, he at the very least, Travis had deserved a, a chance to show his clout on those pitches. He's never played in India and, and they looked at, albeit a, a small sample size of what he churned out in Sri Lanka and Pakistan, as he'd mentioned, but just what does that do for his confidence? And then if they do usher him back on the side, that's the selector saying, you know what, we got this wrong. And you really need to have every detail mapped out when you're trying to win in India. Absolutely. And and the thing you can't forget too, is that his off spinners are more than handy. He's played shield seasons for South Australia as their first line spinner, essentially. Uh, so, yeah, that's another added bonus that if you if you wanted to pick just Lyon and, and Murphy, that you could probably get enough overs out of, of head to, to be a, a quote-unquote third spinner. So, yeah, it's just I think they need to make that decision and go, okay, look, we, we, we probably stuffed up that first one. Uh, so let's make amends now, get him back in the team. And whether – I don't see them dropping Warner yet – yeah. I think by the third and fourth test, that could be a conversation, but I think they'll give him at least one more crack. So that probably means Renshaw Hanscom comes out of the side and we know the, the left-hand, right-hand conversation will come into it again. Yeah, look, if they're going to pick Head, I'd say it's in place of Renshaw uh, for that reason, just mm. to, to break up the middle order with the right hand. Oh, I'm inclined to agree with you when it comes to Warner. A lot of people here are saying his time's done, sack him. Think about Warner and... And I've defended him resolutely for a long time. He's the sort of guy, given his cavalier approach to batting, uh, you know, that you always feel like he's one innings away, Warner. But now, mm. from what I'm seeing, that maybe we are seeing sign of permanent decline, and I, I don't have that degree of confidence. Having said that, I'm prepared to give him give him one more test. Yeah, I think it's it's about, in a sense, having a bit more confidence in him than confidence in Renshaw at the moment to to come good in the next test, especially when you. you Look, beyond Steve Smith, there's probably no one that you're going, okay, I, I trust we'll do well in these conditions, which says a lot about the team considering where we were a week ago, full of confidence that this was the team to win in India. But yeah, it's going to be a, a big decision for selectors, but they just have to, they have to get it right because if they lose this test, the series is gone.
Well, the openers have to give us some foundation. It was a shocking shot by Usman in the second innings. They they give us some foundation. You know, Marnus and Smith showed in that first innings that, you know what, there are runs to be had and they're adaptable. You know how Smith can bat in these conditions. And then, you know, Carey has showed something. Cummins needs to show more with the ball. He doesn't play two bad ones in a row. Lyon needs to show more with the ball. You know, Murphy needs to back that up. They're, they're not without a chance. It's an uphill battle without question. But it's Australia are a good enough side to win in India, I think. Absolutely. And they pretty much, when it got to 3pm on the first day, you go, it couldn't have gone better for Australia. The team looks pretty good. They've won the toss. They're batting first in good conditions when there are all those question marks over the pitch. And then within three overs, both Warner and Clarge were back in the sheds. And obviously, as you said, Smith-Lavishane, that was a great partnership. But the difference between them coming in at none or two for 80 as opposed to two for two makes all the difference in that test in terms of them being able to put on another 100-run partnership and take the score to 180. And sort of what we saw bowled out for less than 180 was 177. So, yeah, I think Cummins obviously has a good record with the toss of late. He'll want to win. He'll want to bat again. I don't think they'll change that part of the no. game plan. But everything else has to change. Yeah, don't want to be batting last. And no visiting team has won in Delhi since 1987. You know, Australia were 5 <laughs> for 62 in their first innings. India were 5 for one. Sorry, 5 for 162. India 5 for 168. You know, so... This idea, it's all doom and gloom. They were in the game. It's just that uh, they went off completely different tangents after that point. Uh, Australia looking mm. like the team to beat, locking at the Women's T20 World Cup. Uh, Eight-wicket, comfortable eight-wicket win over Bangladesh. Good to see Wolfie. Georgia Wareham uh, back in the fold. Uh, she's obviously had a, a wretched time with injury. She was a star, three for 20 off her four overs. Yeah, fantastic to see Georgia Wareham bowling and back bowling well in Australian colours. I mean... We've seen her, obviously, in Australian colours a lot over the last sort of five years, and it's still quite remarkable to think how young she is and how much of a career she's got ahead of her. But it shows how kind of blessed we've been for spinners that the Aussies haven't really felt her absence with the likes of Alana King stepping up, Jess Jonathan. Um, so Australia's in really good shape, I think, in this World Cup. They've probably got the easier of the two groups in terms of avoiding India and England for that first uh, group stage. So... I think they'll want to make no mistakes. Obviously, the last T20 World Cup here in Australia lost that opening game to India, and they were kind of chasing their tails for the most of it. Here, they'll want to just go into the semi-finals with some comprehensive performances behind that, and that's what we've seen so far against both New Zealand and Bangladesh. Yeah, I think it might. Have, I could be wrong. It could be the first time Alana King and Georgia Wareham have played together. I have a feeling. Anyway, they're flush with league spinning depth, and uh, a lot of them are now sitting back and uh, just waiting for their bank balances to grow after the auction, successful auction at the Women's IPL. What's happening in Code Sports this week, Loggy? Um, plenty more gear ahead of the second test. Uh, doing a bit of a look at how Todd Murphy and Matthew Kinnaman both spent time at the MRF Academy in Chennai uh, last year and how that's kind of formed them into the spinners that they are today, the work they did with local Indian bowlers and kind of a reason why probably Murphy had such a good performance in his test because he kind of was used to those conditions and was able to draw on that experience from last year and hopefully if Kuhneman plays, he'll be able to do the same. Just before I let you go, do you get the sense that Kuhneman has jumped Agar now in the pecking order? I think so. From everything I'm hearing that, yeah, that it's just because he's that different style of left-arm bowler, he's, even though there's less height there, there's a bit more loop and you look at Jadeja and how well he did. He was kind of able to float sort of deliveries up. And I think that's what's going to be the key. And I, I do think that in, in general, Kuhneman is above Agar in 
rankings for, for left arm spin here in Australia. As, as a strike weapon, as a strike bowler, I think Agar is more than capable in limited overs. But when it comes to test cricket, when you know you need to make breakthroughs like in India, I think Turnham's jumped him. Yeah, I think you're right. Thank you, mate. Always good to chat. And we'll catch you your work on Code Sports. Anytime, Jules. He's Lockham McCurdy from Code Sports. 0457736736. Uh, Jules says, OJ, I think there's zero chance of Warner scoring runs in the second, tans- second test the way he's been going. Then I think that'll be the final nail. He's been a great player, but let's be fair Income. If he goes under the ashes, Stuart Broad will have a field day again. So Stewie Broad got picked again for England for this test match against New Zealand. He's fifth tour to New Zealand. Yeah, I think he's now leaving test by test, David Warner. And deep down... You know, in his own private moment, he's thinking, going to bed, he's thinking, gee, you know, have I still got this in me? And he has signaled the end of his test career, suggested it's it's coming pretty soon. He, his ideal way to go out would be to go to England, but if he fails here, I'm not sure how you can pick him. Totally agree with you, Stu, Jules, about the phrase, it's not his go. Totally overrated statement if he does do it. It is his go. Well, exactly right. It certainly is his go. Uh, yeah, Bono, Jack, just further to what you say about Pat Cummins, you go, I do realise none of the above will happen, so they won't drop Cummins, they won't drop Lyon. Um, so George Bailey, Andrew McDonald, Pat Cummins have already torched the joint and they refuse to concede any error. Yeah, that was probably a bit silly. And, of course, Cummins, who was two a selector as a band of the world, number four bat, uh, won't do the same to Davey Lyon or himself. You're talking there about Travis Head. I think they just got to admit they got it wrong and pick him again. To get around the issue of Pat Cummins, a mission is to suggest he's tired and Australia's are rotating. They're not dropping Pat Cummins. They're not. And one more from Brett before the break. Jules, here's a question. If you switch hit, what LBW laws apply? Um, it's whatever you take strike as. So, like, reverse sweeps. It does. So, say, for example, Alex Carey, right? You've got Alex Carey batting. He decides to reverse. It's whatever he takes strike as. Does that make sense? So, if Steve Smith, or say, Usman, right, is a left-hander, decides to reverse sweep, if the ball pitches outside the leg to a left-hander, even if he switches and it looks like he's right-handed, it'll be not out. So I hope that clarifies things for you. Thank you, Brett. 0457 736 736. We'll take a break. Uh, Matt on the text line, Jules. You call him Adam Dewey. Jimmy calls Adam Dewey. Perhaps a la Richie Benohutch could come in for uh, the SEN team, play pronunciation practice uh, the way he could get get it right, Matt. Yeah, it's an interesting one because he was Dewey. He said, uh, you know, back in Lebanon, it was Dewey. He, he says, I'm happy to say Dewey. I ran with it. And then he said, I think, was it before the World Cup? It's Dewey. But then I believe Avossi there said it's gone back to Dewey. So he sort of flip-flopped between the two. We should get confirmation. But the latest I heard, and Vossi said, no, it's gone back to Dewey, Adam Dewey. Let's just text him. You know what? Let's hit up Chris Warren. Just get confirmation. We'll find out before the end of the show from Chris Warren. Can you please give us the correct pronunciation of Adam Dewey slash Dewey. And what does he want to be called? Because at the end of the day, you call them what they want to be called. And it's great, too, to see uh, a lot of the social media handles, various clubs getting the place to pronounce their own names. Obviously, the Cowboys have done it. Obviously, the Raiders have done it. And um, a couple of others, I think, the Broncos, certainly Marty uh, Topol. He says it's Marty Topol. It's funny, though, because it's, it's the names that you're not sure about. And the Raiders go, Hudson Young. You know, I think I've got it, mate. I think I've got it. Hudson Young. Just one more time for me. Hudson Young. Oh, the other thing about the Raiders that got me, he said it's Xavier Savage. Now, I've got a nephew and he says it's Xavier, X-A-V-I-E-R, Xavier. I've always called X-A-V-I-E-R, Xavier. But Savage, young Savage, calls himself Xavier Savage. So there you go. doesn't matter what you think it should be called. It matters what they want to be called. In simple respect, call them what they want to be called. 
Wiley, old dog, I'm a tad curious to the logic behind dragging Marcus North around the globe for the past two years without getting a game. Uh, what did it achieve? Having him sit in the dressing room playing no cricket. Anyway, now we're desperate for an opener. He's been told he's not good enough to play on tour. He's been in the squad for years as a net batsman our ball. Are you talking about Marcus Harris? Not Marcus North. He's long retired, Marcus North. <laughs> the West Australian, good player. Uh, Marcus Harris, well, he's there and thereabouts. Of course, uh, Renshaw got the jump on him to bat in the middle order for that fifth or for that test in Sydney. And he got the 100 too, Marcus Harris, in the most recent outing for Victoria in Sheffield Shield cricket. Good player. But not out of the equation, nor is Bancroft for that matter. If they keep churning out runs, Warner's going to retire very soon. Kawaja, I don't know how many more years there, but these guys are, what, 36 now. So you're going to have two opening spots. You might give one to Renshaw. If Pukowski's fit, he enters the equation. But then what about Harris? What about Bancroft? Keep scoring runs. I think you'll find they're back in the side sooner rather than later. Uh, I reckon one day that law, you're talking about the LBW, will be changed to pitching in line only if the switch hit occurs. A trade-off for being able to switch hit gives the batsman an unfair advantage, especially as the field is set. Well, it's innovative. It's risk versus reward, though, isn't it, Brett? Let's get the news headlines. Well, Travis Head be picked, said Steve. Your guess is as good as mine. I'd be picking him. I'd be picking him in a heartbeat. They should never, never should have dropped him. Never should have dropped him. Pretty sure Harris is in Australia. He played in the um, Marsh Cup last night, Benny, from Windsor. I haven't looked at the Marsh Cup results, but I'll do that in a matter of moments. You look at the Dolphins' draw, I think they could start well in the first month. Feed Roosters, Raiders with no Savage. That's Xavier Savage. And the Knights and the Broncos, it could easily be three from four. Fade away as the season goes. Depth is going to be the issue. I mean, a couple of injuries, then they might find themselves in a spot of bother, the Dolphins. But, yeah, a lot of people, this is, it seems to be the prevailing thinking. You can't see a Wayne Bennett coach team picking up a wooden spoon. More of your text in a moment, but he's demanding he be heard. Let's do this. Thomas. Julian, Alex, listeners, once again, great to be in here. Did you call him Xavier Savage or Xavier Savage? Uh, Xavier Savage, yeah, so with like a Z. Yeah. But did you see the, the Canberra Raiders, the players pronouncing their names? Yes, he I saw that. He said it's Xavier, so there you go. You have to call him Xavier Savage. Fair enough. Mm. I'm all for it. And it's Martin Topou, I believe, and yep. formerly Martin Topau. Um, I'm all for it. But So the Cowboys have done it. Yep. The Raiders have done it. I believe there was another club. It's escaping me. I believe the uh, Maori All-Stars did it as well. Every team, just send it out to the broadcasters or just post it on your social media channels or put it on your website. Yeah. Um, your top 30, just get them to pronounce, pronounce their name. I hadn't previously seen it done on socials. Normally, the, the media guys and girls are pretty good. So, you know, I'll, if I'm not sure, I'll go just you know, for the commentators, how do you pronounce this? And they'll send a little audio clip mm-hmm. of players saying their names so they know. So they actually record them at the start of the season just, just to give that clarity. And it's the least we can do. It's a matter of simple respect. To get their names right, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. G'day, Shane. Jules, how you going, mate? Good, good but Web, Webby is absolutely spot on. There's no way the Dolphins will get the spoon. Um, I don't think your Dragons will get it either. My favourites for the spoon, without doubt, are the Knights. Knights. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. They lost their two best forwards in Clemmer and Mitch Barnett. They have two front rowers that are about as mobile as a pair of phone booths in the Cyphers brothers. Yeah, but if um, Caelan Ponga reckons he had some concussions at fullback, wait till he's in the front line tackling front rowers all day. He'll soon know about it then. That That's a big concern, are the head knocks for Caelan. Because if he gets a couple more, that's an extended stint on the sideline and they're half the side without him. I don't know why they're taking the test. He's an explosive fullback. 
He's not ready for 5'8". That's a simple fact. He's not ready to move there. We'll wait and see. You know, heard Matty John say, you know, he sees a different body language with the team this year compared to last year. I mean, this is the thing, the good thing, isn't it, about the start of the season. We can all be excited about the prospects of our team. But you know, I had the Cowboys low last year and they surprised us. So we'll wait and see, I suppose, Shane. But oh, they're not near the eight for me, Newcastle. Yeah, no way, mate. Oh, I don't know why you move one of the best fullbacks in the comp to 5-8. It's beyond me. Super Bowl, what'd you make of it? Well, I bow down to Patrick Mahomes, mate. I will never doubt this bloke again. Freak. Um, mate, even on one leg, he would still do good for the Eagles. And this explosive pass rush, they just never fronted. They just did not front. Um, Jalen Hurts looked fantastic. He was brilliant. He's the future of the organisation. But, I mean, Mahomes... He wins one one more, and you can move him into the top three behind Montana and Brady. I think you might be right. I mean, he's five years now with Washington. What two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs? He's what twenty-seven, like hitting his prime. He's the best passer out of the pocket I've seen. He's a freak, an absolute freak. And they just they just break down defenses, and it's a decent defense. You know, the most sacks of any team, and they couldn't get near him. Yeah, uh, to, yeah. they. Fantastic. He's just a freak. And he that, that's what you said, 27 years old. He's got another decade in the game. Yeah. Oh, easily. Easily, provided he stays fit. Yeah, and Andy Reid, you know, off the break, uh, the guy's a genius. He just doesn't lose. You know, Hall of Famer as a coach. Uh, you know, They'll be close, go close again next year, I'd imagine. Absolutely. And, mate, Reid, the best thing that's happened to the uh, Chiefs with Rihanna having a 25-minute halftime show because, <laughs> <laughs> mate, work on, you, it work gave Reid to reset... It gave him the whole chance to reset the whole game play. Yeah. They come out a different side. Yeah. What do you think of my ladder in his game? Oh, he was good. I heard him whinging today on the radio about his footing was bad. But the footing was bad for everybody. Mm. And this is one of the big problems in all sports. doesn't matter how much money you got. The NFL's worth billions. The, the turf there was pretty ordinary. Um, and this is part of, you know, it, it doesn't matter. You can be playing park football or a multi-billion dollar organisation. The field was ordinary, but it was the same for everybody. That's true. Man, a great game of football. Good on you, Shane. See you, boys. See you, mate. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Sorry, Tommy. Oh, no. I... Oh, we've got time for Shane. Well, of no. course we have time for Shane. He's but... urbanised oh, now. He used I... to be in Mount Druitt. Now he's in Marrickville. He's loving the craft beers. So I do, I do and I don't agree with Shane there. So I was a big, big uh, pusher and proponent for leave Callum Ponger at one. He has to be a, a fullback when they were tossing it up last year. And the concussion thing was was the main reason. But the second thing is if you play half, normally now you're stuck on one side. So he'll probably play on that left side. He's a left side dominant player. At fullback, he can kind of float around the park. And you've got to remember, this happened back in 2019. This has already been a failed experiment under Nathan Brown. It lasted all of three weeks because he wanted his mate Connor Watson um, to play fullback and him play at six. And then it just uh, it was just terrible for the Knights. And they moved him back there. And then Chokora, the team was better and he was better. Um, so and, and the thing was as well that they didn't have a, a six or they didn't have a one there. If, if he was going to play six, who would have played fullback? So that was the issue there. Now that they've signed Lockie Miller, it does make does put me a little bit at ease. But again, he's played what seven or eight games um, at the top flight level in the NRL. So I'm optimistic a little bit, yes, but still no. I, I, I'm I'm very haphazard about the Knights, and and you mentioned it about the pressure that Anthony O'Brien, Adam O'Brien, is under this year. It's um it's momentous. It's in the interest of pronouncing names correctly. It's the Pearl, thank you. And it's Z, not Z, Tommy. It's not about. Did you say Z? I must have said Z. Yeah. Oh dear.
Oh, dear, 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 dear. I say hate as well. Oh, no, hate. I say H instead of no, H. No, I'm an H man. My wife says hate. It's hate. She says H instead <laughs> yeah, of H. Yeah, I say H instead of H. No, it's definitely H. It's got, it's got something to do with Catholic school. Words that you can, yeah, apparently. Uh, words mm. that you can't pronounce, send them in. And Jules and I will have a crack at it. Chickens around the world will be celebrating. The world needs more eggs saviors. Very funny. Yeah. Thank you, Stu. And uh, this one here from Simo's Back in Touch. Exavier is so bloody Anglo. In Spain, the name originates, where the name originates, pronounced Javier. Uh, annoys me as much as sounding the G in Italian, where it's meant to be silent. Yeah, like um, Tagliatelli, for example. It's like Django. The D is silent. The D, right. It's like the K in night. <laughs> we as could in just sir. do this all day. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty good from you, Stu. Uh, 7-2-0 says, if anyone thinks Marcus Harris is the answer, have rocks in their head. Well... Um, so just can we, let's maybe go back to sport here. We are a sports. Radio I just mentioned station. a cricket tweet, but go on. <laughs> Sorry, um, I, I want to talk about the just briefly talk about the top eight. So I want to know. I want to ask you, how many teams can you realistically right now rule out of making the top eight this year? Out of the seventeen teams, which teams can you right now rule out? You know for a fact they're not going to play. Oh, I don't know. Sport. I don't know for a fact, but I'd be highly surprised. Okay, Dolphins won't make it. Knights won't make it. Titans won't make it. Warriors won't make it. Dragons won't make it. Broncos won't make it. That's six. Ooh. Um, completely ruling out the Bronx. I'm ruling out the Bronx. Ah, oh, gee, there's probably a couple of others here. So you got about – so that's six teams there you've ruled out. So you've got about 11 teams still in contention. So some teams there that you mentioned that didn't make the finals last that's, uh, year. That's literally rattling those off the top of my head. Yeah, the Seagulls, the Bulldogs – you got the Raiders in there as well. Oh, they came eighth I, last year. I don't year. have the Bulldogs. They can, but I don't have them in the eight. That's why I'm asking asking you, though. Would you rule them out right now? I wouldn't rule them out definitively, no. Because in my in my early in my early bottom four, so you know how I said that I don't think the Dolphins make the bottom four this year. Mm. I think they're thirteenth. So my early bottom four is seventeenth, St George Illawarra Dragons, sixteenth the Warriors, fifteenth the Titans, and fourteenth the Manly Seagulls. You've got Manly 14. Yeah, I've got Manly 14. No, I've got them higher than that. If, if Trebojevic is fit the whole season, there's no way Manly is 14. Yeah, but I, no I, I don't think I'm willing to take that risk. But you're, you're presuming that he's not fit. I'm, Otherwise, I'm if presuming... he's fit, there's no way you've got Manly 14. No way Manly finishing 14 but, okay, if Trebojevic I, is fit. Well, that's the thing. I'm taking that risk because I don't know what he's going to do this year. Mm. It's like I'm a bit haphazard about the Melbourne Storm because Ryan Pappenhausen might not play between until around 6 and 8. And they're not going to have Justin Olam till about round four or five. Tiger, I didn't mention the Tigers. So no it's going to test. It's going to test their depth. Um, yeah. So I probably might switch out the Seagulls there for the West Tigers because it's the West Tigers. And yeah. all I've heard in the offseason is how good their attack is. Revolutionary attack. They had one of the worst defenses last year in the NRL. You just got to score more points than the opposition, mate. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. Anyway, thank you. So you've got Manly 14. Well, I've got Manly. Swap them out with the Tigers which way. That's, that's right now. That that's, is outrageous. That's, that can change within the next two weeks, so Look, don't come at me with your pitchforks. Let's pitch be honest, mate. We're all throwing darts at this stage of the season, but it does give us something to talk about. Thank you, Thomas. Nathan on the text line. It's H, not H, Jules. Respectfully disagree, Nathan. Respectfully disagree. Jimmy Smith, do you respectfully disagree? Respectfully, don't do much, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm happy to oh, I'm an disrespectfully H-man, not disagree. Not a H-man, right? So Harold Matz starts with the letter H. Harold, yes. Yeah, starts with the letter But how do you spell the letter H? A-I-T-C-H. Correct. Yes. So mm. there's no H-I-T-C-H. You, you're on the same page as me. It's yes. H. Yes. Yeah. So they're two against one. Uh, we're pulling rank here, Nate. Sorry. 
Yeah, I'm not to say you're wrong, but you're wrong, Nathan. And yes, haphazard, not haphazard. He said it wasn't me. That was Tommy said haphazard. You don't do things by halves, do you? Could not agree more with you, Reed Bancroft. Great batsman, also great carpentry. Finished skills with the sandpaper. Did he actually get it on the ball? Do we know that? It's a good question. Mm. Well, didn't he say it was a piece of yellow electrical tape when he sort of then picked up the grit on it? And as soon as I heard that, I said, that just can't be right. And, you've, and, you, and it was proven to be wrong. You've fiddled with many balls over your years many. In, in cricket. Uh, many. You know that nobody would ever try and get grit on a piece of electrical tape. I love this. I love this when we talk about Cape Town and everything that's been unpacked and then repacked and then unpacked again. Mm. And not, you know, Only six people knew, apparently. As, it never happened apart from that test match, apparently. That's right. As a... Former slow opening bowler in lower grade cricket. Mm-hmm. The one thing you did do when you're walking back to your mark is stare at the ball. Stare at it. You know, if you've been hit for four and it hit the fence, you'd go, yeah, there's, look at that mark there. Oh, well, we'll shine the other side then. Yeah, that's you know, it, right? Like, come on, man. Did you ever do it? it I remember this in junior. What side are we shining today? We're shining Always. the Kookaburra side or the one that says, you know, the five and a half or yeah. the ounces, you know. Which side? 156G. Yeah, 156G. That's right. That's That was the biggest decision really in the field, wasn't it? <laughs> if Like you get hit for a boundary in the first one. We're shining the Kookaburra. We're shining the kookaburra. All right, okay, everyone's on board with There's that. There's always that one guy at the team who's a bit over-exuberant when it came to the saliva. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not just on the tongue and eye, but just the full-on loogie on it. I said, mate, that is really messy. You can't do it anymore, of course. <laughs> Which is a good thing, no doubt. It is. It is. It is. What's happening on the Jimmy Smith Afternoon Show today? Uh, it's a really good question because I'm just looking at Wellness Wednesday, which yeah. is a theme of ours, and I'm looking at my my book here. Blank. Yeah, it's a mm. lot of blank spaces. <laughs> so we need a bit of help from the listeners. I think that's not breaking news either, by the way. So True. Uh, we, we, yeah, we thought our talk topic today, show of faith, on the back page of the Daily Telegraph, Craig Fitzgibbon. So they're wow. saying, oh, okay. So he's, he's one year into a three-year deal, mm. and they went, no, we're going to go three more years. So we've seen enough, Fitz, you're our man. Which I actually yeah. like, right? Okay, so you're there. I reckon it's a pretty well-run club yes. at the moment. Dino Mezzatesta, Steve Mace is the chairman. And I'm looking at that club, and I'm going, okay, I reckon they know what good looks like. I reckon they know what really good looks like. I think they look at Craig Fitzgibbon and have been blown away by him. Everyone that has had anything to do with him from a player perspective. I know that the, the people in the Shire, you know, the people who know their rugby league, oh, you've got a contact at the Sharks mm. here. Everyone at the Sharks was blown away by the knowledge that Craig Fitzgibbon brought to the group and then the manner in which he applied it. You know, he, he is um, fastidious about preparation. Uh, fastidious about being timeliness. All the little things that build a culture around the club, that's what he's big on. So, And, and you can just see the way he carries himself. Look at him. He looks prepared. He looks ready to go. His team is like that. I saw a game there last year. I was just sitting in the stands watching, and it was the Knights against the Sharks, 6 o'clock game on a Friday. Really, win- you know, those windy days you can get at Shark Park. There wasn't a pass, basically, that didn't hit its mark. There was a crispness about the attack of the Sharks, not to mention their defence, that, that that made you think that's just drill after drill after drill. Conversely, the Knights look sloppy. Yep. And I thought that that you can see coaching right there. Well, recommitting to, to Fitzy to 2027, a great show of faith in his ability and his man management. It also staves off prospective suitors at the end of, say, three years or so. Maybe we got another Bennett or another Bellamy and these, these long-term coaches at a club 
you know, 10 or more years. There's not an exact way or there's not a, the, the only way to go. Like he was a 10-year assistant. Sure. Be- before that, he had a 10-year exceptional career, right? So you look at that. Cameron Serraldo had a decent career, 10-year apprenticeship. Mm. They're not they're not all the same. You know, Anthony Seabold does a, an apprenticeship, but in a, in a circular way. But, you know, w- with Fitzgibbon and then Serraldo, you're looking at guys who've done an apprenticeship, brought some really good things to whichever organisation they've been involved in and then have learnt from those good leaders within there as well. Yeah, I agree because Craig Fitzgibbon comes up on the radar, I reckon, of other teams. Show of faith. Looking forward to that after midday. They showed faith in Warney, Shane Keith, and they picked him all those years ago. They did. He is a great the, one. The, he got expelled from the Cricket Academy. They picked him in the test side. Good. Thank you, mate. Catch you after midday. Cheers, Jules. We are fast running out of time on the program today. Been another busy one. Now, thank you to everybody that's texted in on the program. Unfortunately, I, I do my best to try and read out every text if I can. Uh, if I get too many, I'm not able to do that. But rest assured, I certainly read them if I don't read them out on air. When I heard our, uh, that a story emerged about a big name being dropped, I was thinking Kawaja for second inning shot or Nathan Lyon. My team is Warner, one more go. Kawaja, Mana, Smith, Hanscom, Green, Carey, Cummins, Stark, Lyon and Murphy. Could be on the button. And it's Harold Matz, not Harold Matz. But it's Pearl says it's H, not H, just as it's not Lel or Mem or Fef. I'll leave it at that. Thank you, everybody, for your contribution to the program today. To our guests, Andrew Webster, Sydney King CEO, Chris Pongrass, Chris Whitaker, the Waratahs assistant coach, Lachlan McCurdy from Code Sports, to 2am Tommy and to Alex on the buttons, and thank you, our listeners. Stay tuned for Jimmy Smith coming up after midday, and I'll be back to do it all again tomorrow from 9 o'clock. I'll catch you then. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye.